Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we have uh, our guest, Matt Bevan, who is now the official GOP nominee uh, for governor in Kentucky. Now he's uh, the conservative grassroots candidate. Uh, who beats his opponent by 83 votes. So, of course, folks, that shows you how important your vote can be. And uh, so, of course, uh, join us tonight with our guest, uh, the said Matt Benavis, and we'll be hearing later from Dan Gray and also uh, looking to hear from our panelist, Cindy Todd, 
as well as uh, Kelly Mordecai. And definitely, folks, uh, this show is archived, so share the link with your friends so that they can hear the show as well. And if you'd like to be a part of the mailing address, email address, just send me a message via the contact page on Bard's Logic Talks.com's website by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and check out the website there. And then uh, we'll check that out. Also, as I said earlier, the Patriot Journalist, Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, some more about our candidate. Of course, uh, Matt did brave a run against the GOP Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell as the conservative option in the primary. However, we know how that was. But uh, or that went, but not to be declared in his desire to serve the people, uh, Matt decided to run for governor. And then after the race and the primary, uh, we are now moving forward for the 2015 general election. Okay, and so Matt's plan includes what all of our states in America needs, and that is enacting pro-business right-to-work legislation, modernizing the tax code, resolving pension crisis, reforming government modernizing education system, improving health care, and fighting federal government overreach. And he's also fighting against Connect, which is Kentucky's state version of Obamacare. And he is uh, the only candidate in the race who is calling on getting rid of uh, Connect. Uh, so like other states, they say the citizens cannot afford it, yet uh, other candidates are saying that, uh, that they can. And so we are waiting for our guest to come in tonight. Uh, so we're uh, waiting on him. And tell us a little bit about our guest, a little background. Uh, I know I was talking to his chief of staff, and he said uh, he had a lot of uh, things he was going to, uh, was doing today. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit about Matt attended to Washington and Lee University in Virginia with a four-year ROTC scholarship. And upon graduating in 1989, Matt was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Army, ultimately rising to the rank of captain, spending four years on active duty. After his military service, Matt worked for many years in the financial industry. Uh, these companies range from manufacturing to investment management to media devices, and they employ dozens of people, namely provide millions of dollars in payroll and benefits to hardworking Americans. And as I said, as uh, we uh, wait for our guest to come in tonight, uh, as I said, I mentioned earlier, as they said he had a couple of events today, so perhaps a few of those are running uh, behind, and so we'll uh, wait on him. But until then, uh, we'll go ahead and bring some of our panelists here uh, while we wait for our guest. And so let's go ahead and we'll bring him in in the order that they called in. So first, we will have uh, Dan on. Thank you very much, Dan, for coming to the show. How are you? Pretty good. The audio is a little odd. Maybe we can uh, get that straightened away. How am I coming through? Uh, well, I, we'll see as time goes on. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody. I don't know what it is lately, uh, but I know there's been some audio difficulties. And I've been when I was putting the link out to the show on some social media, uh, like Facebook, I know there were some, some link problems. Uh, that people were having, so uh, we'll see what's, you know what's going on. But so far, you sound all right, and we'll uh, have to wait how um, to see how that goes. Hey, just as, as soon as I mentioned, 
Yeah, just as soon as I mention that there's a problem, it clears up. You know, of course. I just I just posted some stuff the other day about conspiracy theories and how we should stick to facts. But you know, when patterns fit, it's really hard not to uh, to think that there's something going on. Like, uh, do folks out there really think that the NSA is going to stop spying on us? I mean, it's a secret organization. They're all secret. They can't talk about it. They don't talk about it. They don't tell their our elected representatives. If they do, they swear them to secrecy and threaten them with uh, God knows what they threaten them with. I mean, they have uh, that big Trans-Pacific Partnership deal that they're pushing through, and most of the people who are going to be voting on it, the senators haven't got a freaking clue. It's supposed to be a, a trade agreement, and at least two-fifths of it, according to uh, Snowden yep, and Assange, they've managed to get some stuff out there. Uh, I don't know why they're called enemies when they're helping us. Um, <laughs> enemies of the status, perhaps. But only two-fifths of the deal, allegedly, because we don't know, is dealing with trade. It's giving away our authority to foreign countries, uh, to unelected people, that uh, e even in those countries. I don't know why we would give Obama a fast-track authority to, uh, to cross the street. I mean, the guy manages to either mess up uh, on purpose, or perhaps perhaps he's incompetent. Some people seem to think so. I don't. Uh, messes up everything. Now, in the meantime, what's our strategy? I mean, everybody else is concentrating on the top. They want you to look at two things, folks. This is, this is what the magician does. If he's really skilled, he doesn't give you one distraction, gives you two. They want you to look at the big picture, the national races, and that, that's not important, and you certainly should be involved if that's something you can do something about. If you can spend the time and the money and the effort, do it. Um, but there's a limit to what you can get uh, done on a national level when it costs hundreds of millions of dollars for access. Uh, and they want you to look at uh, Caitlin. Uh, I, I don't know if everybody saw Caitlin's picture on Vanity Fair. Uh, I'm not going to comment on Caitlin because I don't care. I don't care about. No, I know. There's Jenner. so much attention being paid to that. It's unbelievable. Well, I'm like, really? Why are we wasting is our there, time on this? Is Sorry, there Dan, that I'm much attention being paid to it? Think about it. Is there that much attention being paid to it? Or are we being told there is because they're pushing that as a story? It's just another distraction. You want to know where the wind comes in, folks? The wind comes in with folks like Matt Bevan. And here in Pennsylvania, we've had a number of wins just, just in the same vein. Um, I told you before about Scott Wagner, who is an independent, self-made businessman who rankled the establishment, who ran as a write-in and had a historic win. Uh, and as it's, he's now in our state Senate making trouble for us in the right way, and he is outspoken. Matt Bevan is how we win. People that we can actually make a difference with. And you want to make even more of a difference? Okay, not to say that governor or state senator, that these aren't important. These are critical roles because these are the people who are going to nullify the federal actions when the actions are unconstitutional. Uh, unconstitutional. These are the people who are going to remake our local government the way we want our local government to be, who are going to bring the states back into conformance with their own state constitutions, every one of which is in – if you read it, Read your own state constitution. I'm sure you can get a copy for free. It, it is in conformance with the federal constitution. It had to be to be adopted in the first place. Okay, that's the way it works. But these laws are observed in the breach. They're not in 
the performance. Nobody is doing what they said they're going to do. I guarantee you if Matt Bevan gets elected, he's going to do what he said he's going to do, and he's going to do it for us. Okay, uh, Not to say we won't watch him carefully. Make sure. You never know with anybody. But you really want to get affected, uh, effective. Okay, you want governor? You're going to spend millions, tens of millions, maybe $100 million uh, ultimately. Some of your own money perhaps if you have it. Other people's money, there's a lot of, of factors involved. Even little states are big. I mean, there's millions of people in Kentucky. There's millions more in, te- in Pennsylvania. But I was just at a meeting tonight with my township, township supervisors meeting. And for a June meeting with good weather, we pack that hall. Usually there's three people, and one of them's a reporter. Okay, We pack that hall, and... The people there had a lot to say about what they wanted and didn't want in local government, and that's the way to do it, folks. And it's not a ticket, okay? I would vote for a Matt Bevan or a Scott Wagner if they ran on the Democrat side, and I'm really disappointed that the liberals out there who are honest liberals who believe in liberty haven't come up with anybody on their side to run because that's what's going to take if we're going to have a proper system again. But in the meantime, I'll settle for taking over the Republican Party. Here locally, we came up with a unified slate to get rid of one of our statist um, – well, she's not a bad person, and she does an okay job when she's not stonewalling and keeping secrets and doing a lot of other things that really rankle us and, and make us mad. Um, so we want to get rid of her. We found a Democrat and a Republican, neither one of which really wanted to run for the office, and we put them up. So we had a unified slate because this is a small D Democrat and a small R Republican. These are people who you can trust because you know them and you've trusted them. People who want what we want, which is open, honest, accountable, smaller government that doesn't get in our business, that does what it's supposed to do and does it cleanly, quickly, and efficiently and properly. So unfortunately, the Republican candidate passed away. He was ill and he was old and he passed away. He's a really good guy. Um, So now we're left with a Democrat and this person who's in office right now on the Republican side that we don't want anymore. We never really wanted in the first place. She's a political crony. She's a hack. So what did we do? We organized a write-in for writing in the Democrat's name because he's a small-D Democrat, folks. That's The word is an evil. He's a good guy. We wrote him in on the Republican ticket. We came within 20 votes of beating him, uh, her on the Republican ticket. And he won the Democrat ticket with more Democrats than have voted in a primary in this township in probably 20 years. If you add up all the votes that he got versus all the votes she got, it's over two to one. Only in Pennsylvania, only registered voters in the party can vote in the primary. So we're not even counting all the independents. And it's not enough to win. We don't want to just win like we did last time by one vote. Matt Bevan won by a handful of votes. What we want, Mm -hmm. we want to send a message. We want Matt Bevan and men like him and women like that. We want them to win by a freaking landslide with a true mandate. We want him to go in there gunning for bear, and on his first day, we want him to take significant action. I am not a, a resident or a citizen of the great state of Kentucky, but it's a great place. In fact, where I live in Pennsylvania, if you picture this big square kind of rectangle of Pennsylvania, and you've got Philly at one corner over on the right, and over on the, the upper 
mostly upper uh, left, you've got uh, Pittsburgh. And there's a couple of smaller cities in between here and there, Lehigh Valley where I work. That's a pretty big area. Um, but everywhere in between is very much like Kentucky. It's very much like New York outside of New York City and Albany. It's very much like where you live, folks, if you don't live in the big city. And I am proud to say that the nickname for the area in between, that flyover country that people like Hillary uh, just despise and ridicule, we call ourselves Pennsylvania. So even though I'm not a citizen of that state, I want the right things for them as well. Not that they have to listen to me. I'm sure they've got plenty of other people in that state who will be happy to share with Matt Bevan that what they agree or don't agree and what they want. But it sounds like he's got it pretty much pegged. It's me, women. Let's go ahead and bring in our female panelist, and that is Cindy. Cindy, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? She must have herself on mute. <laughs> this happens. Oh, Cindy. I'm 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 here, but I start. Somebody sent me a um, a text just as I was get, about to get on, and it just like totally my screen went away, and <laughs> so I couldn't do anything. Oh my gosh! That that figure Bob. out and get back. <laughs> that's Bob the NSA guy messing with us again. Yeah. I'm sure it is. I need yeah, to go on there and see what Bob has to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I you know, I'm I've um looked up Matt Bevan before and, and I am really happy with him and I think he'll be the kind of a uh representative that um our guy Ron DeSantis is here in Florida. And um because of that <clears throat> I'd be even willing to send him money for his campaign. That's um, serious. That's serious business because he's not in my state. So when I want to help somebody in another state, that means he's worth helping. But anyway, um, I like Matt. And But you made a comment earlier about Obama's intelligence. <laughs> and I just wanted to let you all know where I stand on his intelligence. That is a really um, much topic because a lot of people on the left um, just drool over him and claim that he is just like genius. And then on the right, people are saying he's just flat incompetent. Um, And I think that neither one of them are correct. I think that he is just smart enough that he made a good candidate to be the puppet for the puppet masters. And a puppet puppet is only as smart as his puppet master. And um, what you hear him say, all the, the constructed um, <clears throat> um, the, you know, the things that he says that they tell him to say on the monitor. Those things are planned way ahead of time by someone else. I don't believe that he has anything to do with his policy. I think it is all uh well i do have i do think that he does have something to do with his foreign policy. I think that he wants to help the Muslims any way he can, and he does, and that may be a deal they worked out that he's allowed to do what he wants and and they're allowed to do what they want. Um, uh, with him. 
Um, well, now, I think that he was chosen for three reasons. And and one of them was, well, more than one, three reasons, but three important reasons. He was uh, smart enough that they could use him uh, intelligently. And number two, he his dislike for America, his non-patriotism. They needed someone like that to do their dirty deeds because how could you, being a patriotic American, follow the path that they have him on? And the other thing was his um, his ability to, uh, well, his color and his ability to relate to minorities. And so I think that those three things particularly made him a very good candidate for the puppet. And, uh, yeah. If I may, there are sure. all kinds of intelligence and talent out there. When I said sure. he was intelligent, I wasn't suggesting that he deserves a Nobel Prize. No, I, I knew <laughs> or, you weren't. I knew you weren't. <laughs> or, or that uh, the guy could hold his own in a conversation with Stephen Hawking. I know a lot of people who are far more intelligent in that manner than President Obama or any of the recent presidents. But what this guy has is a talent. Now, there are some folks out there who confuse one kind of talent. That's why a lot of people are upset with Bruce, Bruce Jenner because they held him to a high esteem as one of the world's greatest athletes of his time, and he was. And they somehow thought that that meant that he was a good person, just like they somehow think that some actor or some singer or whatever has a political opinion, which is the right to have and to express, but that makes them a genius because they're a genius at what they do. When it comes to politics, there are very few people that I've ever come across, much less seen in the annals of history, who have talent. It's a very unusual set of skills and set of abilities. Barack Obama, even more than Bill Clinton, which is saying something, and perhaps almost as much in some ways as Ronald Reagan, and that's really something, has political talent. The guy can sell you. The guy can lie to your face, and not to say that Reagan did, but you, he could. The guy can schmooze and move you and make you fall asleep when he needs to and make you get up on your hind legs when he needs to. I know very few people who have the ability to talk to a crowd and have that crowd in the palm of their hand and have that crowd to a point where you could read the phone book and they're just going to gaze adoringly. Unfortunately, those people who have that talent uh, mostly get kind of caught up in the ego of it. It's even worse than if you're a great athlete or a great singer or whatever you happen to be, where people just, whoa, they adore you. In this case, you actually have power over them. You can actually sway them, and not with someone else's words, although, yeah, he's probably reading other people's words most of the time. I don't think he's a very good writer. Based on his extemporaneous speaking, it's extremely inadequate. Um, but he can And based he can on the fact that he won't even tell us what his brain And most people, when they feel power... Well, I don't care what his grades were. The fact is he got elected the first time. The second time he took vote fraud, but he still got a hell of a lot of votes. He has managed, albeit with the help of the uh, bought-and-paid-for media and the um, Republicans who have been elected and failed to keep their word, but he has managed 
to keep pushing that, that statist agenda forward in the face of growing and far in the majority opposition on the part of the American people right now. Just pick an issue, and almost every single one of them, there's a majority of the American people. We're not just talking old white folks, people out there. We're talking whites, blacks, Hispanics, various sorts of Asians, Native Americans, people who came here as immigrants, legal ones, even the illegal ones. On issue after issue after issue, they don't want it. They're getting up on their hind legs and howling. They're sending messages through the polls, messages with their money, messages on social media, and he still manages to push this forward. He is extremely talented. That makes you dangerous. Dangerous people can be really, really good people to be around if they're your allies. But when they're your enemies, don't discount their power. I don't discount people like like, uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Um, He's a worthy adversary because he's very, very good at what he does. And, and folks, uh, well, you know, as we're still waiting for our guest to come in, I do have a uh, a message out to his scheduler. Um, I mistakenly said his chief of staff earlier, but I uh, sent a message out to his scheduler to uh, see if maybe he got uh, held up at another uh, event or something of that nature. I, I know he said that tonight was uh, the last event he had, so perhaps he's getting uh, he's behind with that. Uh, but we do have uh, someone uh, on the line who would uh, like to uh, chime in. And uh, first, if they'd like to chiming on any of the conversation so far. And one thing uh, for those new to the show, and then I see Kelly on the line as well, and Kelly, we're going to bring you in, uh, is that once we bring you on the show, if you'd like to stay on the remainder of the show and join our roundtable discussion, uh, of course, you are free to do so. Uh, So let's go ahead and bring Bill from Oregon. Thank you very much, Bill, for coming to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um. A couple of things uh, that uh, Dan has mentioned. Uh, one about the uh, media being so kind to uh, our illustrious uh, resident in the White House. Um, you know, I had have had this question in my mind for the last few years: is to where does the media expect themselves to be uh, if they come through with this? Uh, and you know, and succeed in, in helping Obama achieve this uh, socialist nirvana. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, there weren't a whole lot of people that worked for the state-run media in Russia, the Pravda. Um, so where are all these uh, hundreds of thousands of reporters uh, going to be working after this uh, nirvana is reached? Well, there's only about 100,000 of them maybe total in the United States. It's a very rough estimate. I could be off by a factor of um, a quarter of a percent, a half a percent, but uh, maybe even 5%, but not much more than that. Um, they they expect jobs within the administration. They expect power. And in fact, if you look at what Obama's been doing, um, and Bush did this before him, uh, but not to near the same extent, there seems to be a revolving door between the news media, so-called news media anymore, the mainstream media, that is, not the honest patriot journalists out there, and the administration. Um, they leave one job to go to another. They're related to each other. Um, they're not interested in telling us the truth. They're not interested in anything but setting an agenda and trying to get us to go along long enough that they can seal the deal. 
but that number of individuals is rather small uh, by comparison to the national uh, employment of journalists. Um, again, you know, where, where do these, especially um, students just you know, coming out of journalism school, where do they think they're going to work if this nirvana is reached? I, my point is that we're, we're being led by the nose. Well, I'm not saying we as you and I, but a majority of Americans are being led by the nose uh, down this uh, rosy path, so to speak. And so my my concern is that um, you know once we have once they have achieved this uh, socialist nirvana, um, it just seems to me that uh, pretty soon that either they are going to uh, have to toe the line, or who knows where they will end up. And um, I, I'm just I'm just sincerely curious about that, whether or not they even thought that far forward. Well, there are always going to be lemmings who leap for the cliff and those who are just uh, opportunists who think that there's a place for them. But if you look instead of at uh, uh, the Soviet Union, which, by the way, did in- employ a large number of journalists, uh, roughly the same percentage number, um, there was there was regular news reported. I mean, they report news uh, like weather. The weather is something that's pretty non-controversial if you're not talking about the global warming crap, but just like, is it going to rain today? Uh, they would report on auto accidents and, of course, tons and tons and tons of propaganda saying how great everything was and uh, look at this new stuff. If you look at Hitler's regime and the... Um, well, who's the guy? Uh, trying, I can picture his face. Goebbels. Yes, of Goebbels. course. Yeah, Joseph Goebbels. Uh, they had a an apparatus that helped them seize power, but that apparatus didn't disappear once the state had served, uh, seized power and control. That um, that became the state arm of propaganda, and it wasn't just directed externally to try and convince people. It was directed internally because that helps control people. They would report on victories that didn't exist. When von Paulus was getting his you-know-what kicked in um, Stalingrad and actually surrendered, a German field marshal never surrendered before. When he surrendered, I believe it was the Sixth Army. I'm not sure if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, That was reported as a victory uh, because they needed to report that and keep people on the home front uh, quiet. No matter what, the statists do recognize one thing. They're smart. And the realists, they recognize that all power does derive from the people. And they have to make sure that they continue lying to the people and continue to uh, convince the people. Even if things look sewed up, they're not. And it doesn't take much to start a revolution and get people uh, to, to cease supporting them. They don't just need us to stay out of it. They need our active, willing support. They need us to go to the polls. If the apathy in this country raised to the level where nobody went to the polls, the only ones who would go to the polls are those who cared a great deal. In this country right now, there are perhaps 2 to 5% who are genuinely socialist and would go to the polls and vote for the status candidates. Um, and right now we're well in excess of 3%. We're closing in on 10% of America, 30 million people at least, who are already fired up, active, working for the Constitution. If we had an election like that where everybody else stayed home, we would win everything. 
and they can't have that. So they've got to make sure that they have lots and lots of low-information voters who don't pay attention uh, except to a, maybe a highlight or a headline every now and then until two weeks before the election, and then they just go with whatever they're told. And that's they require support. Let's go ahead and uh, bring uh, Kelly back on, or not back on, or in, I should say. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing all right. Getting a little bit of rain here in California, northern, that is. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Matt Bevins, my gosh, I uh, can't wait to hear him. He's so eloquent. And uh, if I was Kentucky and still a libertarian, I probably would uh, want to switch to be a Republican. It's not, not kind of a gut feeling about him, so that's pretty exciting. Um, he's probably hobnobbing and campaigning and getting the support he needs, and hopefully the Republican Party, it sounds like his, uh, <clears throat> uh, the person he beat in the race is supporting him, and I, I wonder if uh, um, Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell are going to uh, support him as well for governor. I mean, that's that's an interesting scenario, because you notice when he was on the show last time, um, you know, I threw out, are you suspicious of uh, vote fraud, electronic machine? I said, well, that's in the past. And uh, at first thought, I thought, yeah, that's really cool. He's just kind of looking forward. He's a look forward kind of a guy. Don't worry about the past. But then there's another bonus that comes from that type of attitude he held, which is now that he's won the primary, he's going to need the support of Mitch McConnell and uh, Rand Paul and maybe some other Republican congressmen that might say a few words for him or who knows uh, in the state house what kind of support he's going to garnish. It's just an interesting, um, it's just going to be interesting to watch this, this play out. I have a question for you guys with, with, with uh, Kentucky. Is there a democratic incumbent right now or how did this no. position fall out no, that Matt's where he's at now? Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, no, there is not a uh, no. There, there's not an incumbent that uh, that's running for. Uh, so it's going to be kind of you know two people, uh, you know, two newcomers, so to speak, uh, to the floor. But r- real quick, uh, folks, we're right back and getting a message here. I'm hoping it's from his scheduler. Uh, so I'll be right back, folks. Hold on. Go ahead. And Kelly, Kelly, I've got a question for you. If you don't know, you're a great researcher. Maybe we could you could find out. Um, when a senator ceases to become a senator while he's in the middle of a term, he or she, uh, for instance, if they got sick or passed away, as happened uh, in Pennsylvania when Senator Hines was in a plane crash, in Pennsylvania, the governor of the state gets to nominate, pick, decide who's going to be a senator until there's either a special election or to complete the term. Okay, depending on how far it is into the term that this person is. Uh, in fact, that's happened in other races. We have a uh, guy out of, uh, what the heck's his name, uh, the radio guy out of uh, Carolina, uh, Scott. He, uh, he managed to become uh, a fill-in senator and then uh, got himself elected on his own merits. Um, so sure. in, in Kentucky, well, Mitch McConnell, I mean, he's, he's kind of creeping up there. I wouldn't wish him any ill personally, but let's face it, demographically, he's approaching the the, uh, the limit. 
maybe he'll live another 20 years. Maybe he'll be a sound-minded body the whole time. But were something to happen to him like that, would the governor of Kentucky be able to appoint a new senator, say somebody on the lines of uh, a Cruz? Or a, a, <laughs> no, I don't think you can do that. Can you? Oh, I don't know. That'd Why would you want to? Why would you want to if you're already going? Well, Matt, Matt, Matt's position, though, what I've heard through, uh, I think, Lynn Becker, another source, is that Matt believes he can do more good for the people by being a good governor than being a congressman. Uh, maybe he had that recent realization, but I think he's dead on there. So I, you know, good question. It depends on the state, to answer your question. It depends on the state, what the state laws are. Because um, the... Each state is in, this is the federal constitution, each state uh, essentially controls the elections of their representatives, and it should be that way because of the federal government sort of dictating how we elect our people. You could imagine all sorts of games and charades that would be played uh, at the hands of the feds. So the states are in control. Um, so to answer your question, is state by state. You'd have to research that one specifically in Kentucky. Um, I wonder if, uh, if candidate Bevan will know. We'll have to ask Matt as soon as he comes on. Yeah, I've definitely got some questions myself. And unfortunately, folks, that was not my uh, – who I was hoping that was. Uh, I was hoping that was the schedule, but unfortunately that was not. Uh, and just to answer to your question, you know, back to no, it's not uh, an incumbent. Actually, it's the Kentucky's Attorney General of Kentucky that is uh, going to be running for that Jack Conway, or that's yeah, the call, we- and it's really John Conway, but – yeah, he's a very weak uh, Democratic candidate, uh, in my opinion. I'm just giving an opinion here. Uh, he is the, an exemplar. exemplar. He is, he's, he's a perfect example of a um, guy who's been in government too long, who uh, has too many friends and cronies, who has done remarkably little, who absolutely supports and endorses tax and spend, and uh, increased intrusion into people's lives. So I don't think Kentucky really wants him a whole lot, but you can bet that a whole lot of money is going to go into that race. And I'm just wondering how much the National Republican Party or even the state-established Republican Party in Kentucky is going to support their own nominee as governor with Matt Bevin. Um, That was one of my comments. I agree with you there. Yeah. We're going to have to well, do like Sydney. Yeah, I've been reading some articles, and they, say, and they say they're going to, but every but there's been a few opportunities for them to you know be seen together, and uh, that has not as of yet happened. So, well, well, well you know, that remains to be seen. That was one of the things we were going to ask him about tonight uh, when he comes in. Hey, Go ahead, uh, Sydney. Here's another question: Attorney General well, of Kentucky let's, is, let's, is let's the Attorney talk. General a? a Go ahead, Kelly. That's really good. Okay. Um, the the AG, California, the AG is elected separately from the governor. Um, some states, the AG is appointed by the governor. Is Kentucky an AG elected position? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know that either. I know Florida, it's uh, um, appointed. No, wait. No, no, no. We vote for ours. We vote for ours. They're elected in the attorney general's elected in uh Yes. In Kentucky. Ohio. Oh it is? Uh AG is elected in Kentucky then. Okay. Yes. Well I'm yeah. gonna be really Yeah, he was elected in uh two thousand and eight. I I'm gonna see I'm gonna be really interested to see 
what Paul does, whether Rand Paul endorses him, because um, if McConnell doesn't, it can be assumed that Matt is going to get no help whatsoever from the GOP leadership. And in that case, will Paul um, go up against the leadership and go out on a limb and endorse him even if they don't? Um, that'll be interesting to see. And what will Fox report about him, you know? Of course, I'll have to find that out through you guys since I don't watch Fox anymore. But, you know, of course the liberal stations are going to trash his name. They're going to trash him as best they can because they only give compliments to liberal Republicans. <clears throat> so that ain't going to happen. But I, I'm going to be watching to see what, what uh, Rand Paul does. And, you know, this governorship gives Matt name recognition for a future run for the Senate. So maybe he can be the, the likes of McConnell or whoever, whoever in the in the future. My question for Rand Paul. Well, whether, is whether a member of the Senate or member of, uh, you know, member of the governors, then it would still be just about 50. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring Bill back into the conversation because we like to bring things uh, back around. So what, what are your thoughts on Rand Paul and, and McConnell? Have you heard anything? Uh, now, from my understanding, at least there was some – uh, lip service being done, the jail supporting, maybe even endorsing if they haven't already. But what have you heard, Bill, and what's your thoughts? Well, I really haven't heard anything. As a matter of fact, I wanted to ask uh, Miss Bevins if uh, if he had had any correspondence with either one of those two and uh, sought their endorsement. Uh, my opinion of Rand Paul is kind of low at this point, um, and I'm not too sure if he's just playing a political game when he endorsed McConnell, um, whether or not he was told he would endorse McConnell, whether he liked to or not. Um, so I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen out in the distance. Um, but uh, I mean, some of, uh, I like some of uh, Paul's ideas. Um, yet uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about uh whether or not he's there to play the political games uh, according to big boys. Mm-hmm. And you know where that's gotten him? He's way down in the polls um, for conservative voters. Uh, when you look at all the conservative and libertarian-style voters, they ought to be just flocking to Rand Paul. And yet, where are they? They're over there um, flocking towards Walker and even Huckabee. And some are saying Rubio's. Some people still believe Rubio is a conservative, so they're they're going towards him. But you know the the, the conservative candidates are splitting up the vote between them. But what Walker seems to have the best out of that. But um, they're not they're not flocking to um, Rand Paul like you would think they would. Where did all those Ron Paul voters go? Where did where did all those young people that loved Ron Paul go? Why aren't they in the in the Rand Paul camp? I haven't heard I'll tell about them. Well, that. I got real quick, real quick, real quick, folks. I do have, um, you know, uh, someone just sent me an article, and thank you, Angela, for sending it to me from uh, Breitbart.com. Because Rand Paul endorses Matt Bevin, GOP unites around Kentucky gubernatorial nominee. Uh, is an article that's on uh, Breitbart.com. It says uh, Senator. Uh, Rand Paul, Kentucky endorsed newly nominated GOP gubernatorial candidate Matt Bevin at a Lincoln Day dinner Saturday night. The endorsement from the state's junior senator was expected. Both the audience were more interested in the relationship between Bevin and state senior senator Matt Mitch McConnell, who soundly defeated Bevin a year earlier in a Beverly contest. So to answer your question, and the 
well, we can go over the article maybe later. Uh, but to answer the question, at least according to what we've seen here on uh, Breitbart.com, that uh, at least Rand Paul has endorsed him. Okay, we'll see what oh, that's news. exciting. We'll, we'll see what yeah. the media yeah, does yeah. with that. Yeah, cool. Hey, uh, I got a question for y'all. Um, and if you know the answer, don't don't shout it out, okay? Just let people struggle with this one. Uh, the capital of Kentucky, is it pronounced Louisville or Louisville? Uh, <laughs> well, what, do I get a vote? <laughs> Neither. What, what do you think, Cindy? Is it Louisville or Louisville, the capital of Kentucky? Uh, well, the, I would say it was Frankfurt. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> it's pronounced Frankfurt. What it comes down to is um, there are a lot of people who will play political games because they say to themselves, gee, if I can get in, I can make such a difference. But you can't make a difference in this sort of uh, crisis unless you're 100% committed to an ideal, and you're willing to make that ideal a reality. So that's why a lot of people, even if they agree with all of his policies, for instance, I don't agree with Ron Paul's uh, foreign policy in some respects at all, um, but I respect the man tremendously because he never... Wow, I didn't know you wavered. supported the military-industrial complex. No, I don't, but I do support that, uh, keeping us strong <laughs> and safe. Keeping us I'd like to hear you have a debate. I'd like to hear you have a debate with yourself. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, it's very consistent. There are, threats, there are threats out there, and uh, the international community is nothing but a pack of wolves and never has been and never will be anything but that. And it's very important to keep America safe. I'm not suggesting that we should intervene in every single place or hardly any place. And I'm certainly not suggesting that we... Um, should not uh, be very, very cautious with foreign entanglements, but we don't have the luxury that oceans used to afford. So we have to, I'm not a neocon and I'm not a war hawk, but I am realist and uh, there are threats. So in any case, that's not the point I was making, Which, uh, but I, I respect Ron Paul because of his unwavering dedication to the constitutional ideal and his willingness to sacrifice a great deal to make that a reality. Okay. Now, where a politician does good, where Ted Cruz stands up and does his filibuster, or Rand Paul getting the aspects that the NSA had of being legal in tapping us to now be illegal while they continue to tap us, I'm pretty convinced they're likely doing just that. Um, that's something laudable. Uh, even when the Democrats, like Chaffee uh, out of uh, Connecticut, stand up with Rand Paul and say, no, Fourth Amendment's important. They shouldn't be looking at all of us. Regardless of the reason they do it for, I'm going to praise that action. However, I haven't much use for the people uh, who are doing these things because they, they're trimmers. Right now, America can't afford that. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a hard nosed guy in every respect uh, when it comes to day-to-day -day operations. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of different ways to tackle things. It's important to get people on your side. It's important to pass bills. It's important to convince people why what you're doing is important, and nobody has all the answers. On the other hand, there are some things that you cannot compromise on. You cannot compromise on freedom of religion. We cannot compromise on freedom of speech. Those things that God gave us, in my opinion, or that just exist for people, if you're an atheist, um, but those natural rights cannot 
be compromised on. You just can't do it. If you do it, then what you've done is taken a fight that was noble for a cause and turned it into a fight for personal gain. And I've seen too many politicians, and I will include at this point Paul Cruz and uh, Rubio and, and Walker and the rest of them, who are trimming, and they can't continue to do this. There's plenty of room for making deals about things that aren't important, that are within constitutional strictures, that are within the bounds. And there's room within those bounds, Lord knows. But if it's outside the bounds, it's outside the bounds, and I just can't respect anybody who is willing to sacrifice my rights, your rights, our individual rights, for the chance that they might get somewhere and be able to support, uh, not sacrifice our rights. It makes no sense. So none well, of these political well, me, candidates for national office at this moment uh, thrill me in the slightest. Well, let me but there's some folks we'd uh, like to we get another here. caller. Uh, it's not not our guest uh, as of yet. Um, so, but we do have a caller from another caller from Florida, Cindy. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Ed. Ed, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? All right. Um, I just really don't see any changes coming in Washington. I mean, it's been that way for a long time. You know, your McShanes and your Rich Rich Donalds and Old Boehner Jr., all these other guys in there, they're all going to do the bidding of, you know, the bank. I, you know, they're just going to keep on going down the same road. You know, you might get one or two hopefuls, but they turn around and either sell out or just don't really have a voice. I mean, it's just it's something that has to be done at the state level. And there's a lot of states that are taking a lot of different types of actions from legalize the medical marijuana or even marijuana altogether in Colorado and Washington. Uh, other states are trying to uh, bring their own coinage in, uh, New Hampshire and Texas both right now. Uh, other ones saying they're not going to enforce any laws the federal government makes because the federal government's out of control. And, you know, these guys aren't what they need, first off, is term limits. They're not going to limit themselves to their terms. These guys love power. They, they dance in it, and, and it just got they got so much government and so many bureaucracies. They can cut anytime they want. You got Republicans in there now, for over 300 of them. <laughs> Do you think one more is going to help you if you get them a president? And they're not going to let anybody that's going to really try to change it. So just accept the fact that the federal government is a lost cause. It is Marxist, progressive, total control what we can do is protect ourselves at the state level the best we can against it. I agree with everything you're saying with one exception only, which is that it's a lost cause. I don't believe in lost causes. I, and I do believe that the only thing wrong with the federal government is, well, there's two things. One is the people. We can get rid of them. And let's do it on the state level first. Absolutely. That's where those great, great leaders come from and they need time to develop and we have to find them and we have to vet them. But, the other thing is uh, that we need to do is simply to do what the Constitution says, and I think uh, Kelly would probably be able to express this more clearly, but I believe that the Constitution says right in the body of the document that anything that's passed, that's called a law, that doesn't adhere to the Constitution is not a law. It's basically moot, null, and void, which means that we don't have to follow it, and you don't have to repeal it. It's not a law. So let's say we had... Um, 
state houses that held the line, and uh, we managed That's to get the majority in Washington on both houses and a well, Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania that, that don't talk basically bad said that it's not in the Constitution. It's yes. The, the judges hammered it in Murdoch versus Pennsylvania. See, I knew you would know. Um, but if we were to get the right people in, in office in uh, Washington, um, all we'd need to do at that point, I know it sounds simplistic and easy, and it won't be that easy, but all we would yeah. need to do is simply say everything that doesn't conform to the Constitution, we're simply going to jettison. It doesn't exist. You can't take it to court. It's not a real law. We said so. And, that you know, that would be the best way to go. Let the, those guys are all lost cause. The people, when I say lost cause, I mean the people that are in D.C. right now. Agreed. They are the lost cause. So you've got to move away from the lost cause and make the cause you can, which is the state and local level, and take back the state and local level and pretend the lost cause is not there. I agree. And it's hard, you know, you waste time almost talking about, oh, we like... Uh, uh, Walker, or we like uh, Christie. These guys are, you know, I mean, it's just part of the cost. You know, especially the senators. Yeah, or, well, I don't know if Christie didn't announce yet, but whatever. Oh, my They're God. So, I can't believe anybody I, actually mentioned. Oh, ew, cool. Yeah, I know. Well, whatever. They're all about the same. You take, <laughs> you take the majority of them are going to be lost, especially the senators already in there, like Rubio and Cruz. These guys, if they really wanted to make a difference, they should have been doing what Rand Paul's doing doing filibusters and saying, we want the IRS gone. We want the federal, uh, you know, the feds audited. We want what the Tea Party and the people want out there. They're not doing that, and they're not going to do it. And if you think electing them when you already got 300 Republicans in office is going to make a difference, the Republicans are a joke. They're a sellout lie on the federal level. Well, that's well. this is why we take them back. All politics, as Tip O'Neill said, is is indeed local. And you take back the local party committees. This is happening with the Republican Party. There's a whole lot of areas in this country that I wish that somebody would do one of those those nice maps where they map out the counties, where the counties are perhaps Republican, but they're no longer controlled by the state committees, and they're no longer controlled by the status quo. They've been taken over. This is the way the progressives who became the status, actually took over the Democratic Party and then the Republican Party from the ground up. We're doing this with the Republicans, and I am very, very disappointed that it isn't happening very big yet. It's just glimmerings, just a little here and there. I want all those people out there who feel that they're Democratic to get into your local party committees and take it back from these assholes. Excuse me, I shouldn't curse, but these these people... (laughs) who insist that the government has the right to tell you what to do in every aspect of your life, to take all that you own, to control everything that you do, you have. I, I just don't understand how you people who say that, oh, man, you, you know, far out, we can do what we want to do, you know, think about it. If a government can say that it's it's wrong to express, uh, and I'm not a Christian, folks, but if, if, if the government can say it's wrong to express Christian viewpoints, can't that same government say that it's wrong to express any other viewpoints? Can't that government say, mm-hmm. just like the governments of Iran uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia do, that uh, if you're gay, we can execute you? Think about it, folks. You're all in favor of gay rights. 
I have no problem with gay people being gay. But in those countries where government has that much control, they just decide to murder those people. And in this country yeah, right or now... If you one day yeah. decide that you don't that you would like to be patriotic and be um, um, against communism, that could land you in jail one of these days. You could, but if the government well, has the power to do that to one side, then all it takes is a different person in charge, who a different king, who can decide. Nope, it's the other side. Just like in the Middle Ages, when you'd have a king who was a, a Protestant. Uh, being replaced by a king who was a Roman Catholic or vice versa. And the next thing you know, their nation is at war and people are being massacred. You know, uh, uh, Harry Brown wrote a, a book, Liberty A to Z, and brilliantly he said about, you know, church and state, that relationship, real simple. He said, if one party gets control and implements God's law, what happens when the next party gets in control of the government? As a religion, should it be Satan's law then? Got a point. Yeah, and by the way, Fourth Amendment. Um, Fourth Definitely Amendment is that people have the right to be secure in their person's property in effect, except under judicial warrant, uh, specifically under oath or affirmation, naming a place and location, blah, blah, blah. So Rand Paul, what he did in the filibuster on Sunday was awesome because it didn't pass. Now I got to think about funding. And, and by the way, yes. Hi, NSA Bob. How are you tonight? Um, but basically, <laughs> yeah, Bob. Really awesome. yeah. Shout out to Bob. All right. Anyway, um, but he did an awesome thing, although he somewhat stood alone. A few others supported him. And he, I watched his speech. It was awesome. If you watch Alex Jones, he had a clip of the speech. Very passionate. Very good. Real simple. Uh, he said, you want a warrant? Go get a judge. Look at the, Mar- the Boston Marathon bomber. Who would oppose getting a warrant against him? Nobody. This is the way the Constitution set up. And so what we really need to do, and I've been saying this for quite some time now, we need to get more judges. And if the FBI, Justice Department, Alphabet Soup wants to get a warrant, then they just go ahead and have a whole list of people. You know, Your Honor, we think these people are scheming and plotting, yada, yada, give us a warrant. That's constitutional. We don't need the Department of Homeland Security when you have judicial power to warrant or not. And Rand Paul nailed it on the floor. Well, DHS is, is entirely, you want to talk about incompetent, they, they really are, and that's a proven fact. It's not even an assertion on my part. Um, but we have to take back every single branch. So, folks, find your niche, all right? Maybe you want to work in in a a political campaign for a national organization. Uh, Maybe you want to work for a national candidate. Maybe you want to work for somebody uh, like Matt Bevan who's running for a governor of your your state or of a different state. You don't have to be a Kentucky citizen or resident to vote, to to work or donate money just to vote in Kentucky. Maybe you want to do something like uh, our friend James Neighbors does with overpasses and just wake people up and expand their consciousness but, but in ways that, that are incredibly efficient and don't admit to any possibility of, of people ignoring it. You can't miss it. Uh, even if you're on your cell phone, you see the big banner and, and you, it's readable and you can't help but read it. You're on the interstate. There's nothing else to read. Um, 
Maybe you want to go after an issue that really matters to you. Maybe you're a Second Amendment supporter or you hate abortion or you really, really are concerned about education of our children and you want Common Core to just get out and go out away. Whatever that is, um, you, you need to get involved with it. Uh, I can't be involved in everything. It seems like I've got a little... Well, and real, and real quick, Dan, I said at the top of the hour, and I do see how we... Uh, that is no longer on the line if you're still uh, listening out there, Ed. Uh, just to let you know that... Um, I apologize, I should have meant this uh, earlier, is that uh, once you stay on the line, you're, of course, you are welcome to uh, stay on the line, and we can, we'll bring you back uh, throughout the show uh, just to get more of your input. So, Ed, if you'd like to call us back, that's fine. Uh, so what I'm going to do here is uh want to... Give us a clip. We can hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. And then I'm going to tell a little bit about what we're looking forward to next week on next week's show. And then let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Bill, uh, so that we can get some information. Of course, uh, just give us a call at 347-945-7428 uh, if you'd like to uh, chime back into the show uh, and add more to it. I uh, apologize. should have said that earlier. Uh, but let's go ahead and listen to the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show, you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Okay, and for next week, folks, uh, we have on our show Marissa Salazar, and she is a senior pursuing an undergraduate degree in kinesiology with minors in business administration and economics from New Mexico State. Uh, she has been involved in the liberty movement as a student for activist uh, for the past two years, she is currently serves as the president of the NMSU Young Americans for Liberty chapter, and uh, she is the state chair of the New Mexico for the Youth Americans for Liberty, Young Americans for Liberty, and is the event director for the West Region for Students for Liberty, North America Executive Board. And Marissa also plans to pursue a career in free market health care policy, research in order to promote policies that reduce government intervention and embrace free market solutions. And Young Americans for Liberty is a nonprofit, nonpartisan chapter-based organization that seeks to identify, educate, train, and mobilize, mobilize youth activists committed to winning on principle. The goal of the Young Americans for Liberty is to cast the leadership of tomorrow and reclaim the policies, candidates, and direction of our government. Young Americans for Liberty is the largest, most active, and fastest-growing pro-liberty organization on American colleges' campuses, with more than 600 Young Americans for Liberty chapters and 204,000 youth activists nationwide. So next week we are looking forward to hearing from Melissa, uh, Marissa, it's with an R, Marissa Salazar. So we are looking uh, forward to that. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Bill. If you'd like to make uh, any comments or maybe even pose any questions uh, to our uh, panelists and myself, go ahead, Bill. Uh, thanks. <clears throat> um, Dan, I, I agree with your uh, your uh, rebuttal of uh, Ed and uh, that you know nothing is hopeless 
And yet, as uh, Kelly could probably testify, I am quite cynical of our system and the way it's going uh, these days. Um, <clears throat> there seems to be a lot of what I see as signs as to uh, the speed at which things are progressing now uh, seem to indicate to me that they are, um, and I mean they as in uh, the uh, bankers, um, as a matter of fact, it was Kelly had turned me on to the story of the creature or the monster of Jekyll Island. And uh, I, I see that as a, a, a literal monster uh, as to what we're facing. So, um, And as I've often told Kelly, I'll, I'll say the same to you, Dan, that uh, I appreciate your zeal and your, and your passion for uh, the system and, and uh, working it to our advantage. Um, Yet again, uh, my cynicism is uh, quite deep in, in regards to uh, any achievements that would uh, be marked or recognized uh, in time. Um, I, the way I've described it to uh, Kelly, I, I put it in a simple scenario that uh, assume that uh, you're a bank robber and you have plans to rob a bank next week. Now, you only have a handful of people that know about it. So now you have three options. One, you eliminate the people that know about it, plans altogether. Or three, you move ahead with your plans. Uh, you, you speed up the timeline on it. That's kind of the way I see uh, what's going on. And I'm not talking just about in our country, but I'm talking globally. Uh, things are moving really, really fast. And with Obama, and I'll agree with you, he's a, a rather sly and uh, clever uh, politician. Um, but it seems that he is uh, really uh, putting the the, uh, the steps forward to more or less isolate. Um, I, I understand that there is a lot of opposition, and he's having a hard time. And yet, as you have pointed out, even with the opposition, he is making headway. Um, and, of course, um, looking at him as uh, an intellectual to have come up with this plan all by himself, I, I don't see it. I, I under, I'm under the impression that uh, he's merely uh, a figurehead, um, a poster boy, if you will. Um, any comments on that, Dan? Well, I'll tell you what. uh I'm going to steal that analogy, if you don't mind, uh, on the bank robbery, because that is not a lot. And if you teach something, nothing beats a parable. And that's a great little parable right there. But let's take it one step further. Let's assume that this uh, bank robbing gang goes, oh, crap, we could, we could take over everything at the bank, we could uh, knock off Vegas, and we could get all these this money, and the plans are out. Somebody's going to rat. We haven't got what it takes because they don't have what it, what it takes, folks, to knock us all off and keep it a secret. So they're going to advance their plans. But these are very careful plans. If you plan to do something that big, that, that full-blown, you really, really have to work the details. Look at what our military needs to do. Look at if you, you plan uh, just an event, a graduation party, a wedding reception. And these aren't even political events. These aren't even big money events. This is just your friends and family. 
And look at all the details that you have to attend to and how many little things can go wrong and ruin everything. Well, that's the key right there. I plan to continue pushing them as hard as I can. I want them to go faster. If we leave them the time that it takes, if the apathy had continued, if we hadn't woken up and continue to wake up in such large numbers and increasing percentages, what we'd end up with is them taking over according to their own timeline and their own plans. But they're advancing their plans by years, not just days or weeks or months, but by years. And there are so many variables that they can no longer control. And, and even better, variables where they don't even have accurate information. They don't know what's going on. They're constantly being surprised and blindsided. And those carefully constructed facades that they have of power keep getting attacked. Now, if that facade isn't a facade, if it's a stronghold and you're going after them, well, guess what? The good news is it's taking them manpower it's taking them money, and it's taking them attention to maintain their stronghold. But at the same time, a lot of what looks like a stronghold, and we've found this out many times in the past several years, um, it looks like it's a fate accompli, a done deal. They're about to just shut everything down. And the most recent example I could think of would be where the ATF quietly, through a little rule promulgation, several months in the future, we're going to say, mm, no more 223 ammo, it's armor-piercing, and it's going to be off. Nobody's going to make it. Only the federal government can buy it or own it. And do you know how many people protested, folks? Officially, I mean, we're not talking social media. There were, there were tens of millions. But officially, the ATF, because they had to open up to commentary, because they do still have to follow rules to some extent. They are not in power. They got 90,000 comments. 90,000. That sounds pitiful, doesn't it? But it isn't pitiful. 90,000 comments represents 9 million people or more. Because you figure, and this is, this is what advertisers do, by the way, and this is what uh, letters to the editor do, this is what congressmen and senators do. They figure for every person that actually contacts them in any kind of personal direct way and, and actually writes an entire letter, they represent a whole bunch of other people. And the fact that they took that time means they're mm -hmm. going to continue taking the time and they're going to explain it. Every one of you has friends, family, coworkers, people that you associate with in various social groups, civic groups, religious groups, and you share, you share this information here in Pennsylvania. I'll give you an example of how well we're doing and with numbers. People like numbers because numbers tell us a story. And these aren't Cook numbers. Uh, we have a gov had a governor named Corbett who was uh, elected on the power of conservative constitutionalists who wanted a repeal of this big tax and spend government that we'd had under uh, Fast Eddie Rendell. And everybody knows who Ed Rendell is. He's, he knows football, he loves cheesesteaks, and he is a big pal of the Clintons. He was our governor here, uh, former mayor of Philadelphia. So they elected Corbett, and then Corbett proceeded to do a few good things. He was good for Second Amendment and good for uh, right to life, and that's about it. He also did an awful lot of stuff that was very rhino-sounding. In fact, it was rhino, and he increased some taxes, and he promised he wouldn't do that. Got government more in our business, promised he wouldn't do that, and didn't go after the unions at all. So... Um, 
he, he didn't get reelected, which de facto meant that his his opponent got elected, who was a guy named Wolf. How appropriate is that? He's a very Casper Milktoast sort of guy. He's kind of mild. And uh, he's in a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a total, total statist. Well, this man seems to think that he's going to pull an Obama, but he hasn't got those political skills. So he proposed a budget. We're at our budget time here in Pennsylvania by the end of the month, and uh, or not. And he proposed a budget that increased the, the deficit uh, in Pennsylvania that didn't address our pension problems, our school tax problems, our, all the other stuff that we've got going on that needs to be fixed, um, and increased the budget spending by $5 billion. That's a lot of money for our state. And increased taxes by $5 billion. And it was defeated in the House of Representatives in the state. They passed a different budget. It was defeated by... Democrats and Republicans. I'm going to talk about bipartisan. Um, the Democrats control somewhere around 47 percent, 45, 47 percent. I'm not sure of the state house. It's a Republican majority, but it isn't 100 percent. Just like the rest of the country, in most places, it's not 100 percent on anything. Um, it wasn't just one or two Democrats. It was 193 to nothing. They def- they just repudiated Wolf's bill his budget, completely. Now, they didn't do it. The Democrats did not do it because they suddenly got fiscal responsibility. And the uh, Republicans didn't do it because they suddenly realized how important the Pennsylvania Constitution was, where it said, don't mess with people, because ours is even better than the the U.S. Constitution. Ours came first. Um, No, they did it because they're feeling the heat, because they're getting contacts from their home districts, because they're getting constantly inundated with phone calls, letters, visits, the best thing, with rallies. They're seeing stuff on social media. Everywhere they turn, they're realizing that they're in the fight of their political life, and the last thing they want to do is piss us off because I've got, I've got friends right now who have pitchforks lined up in the shed, and they've got uh, tar by the barrel boiling on the, on the, the burners, and they've got tons and tons of feathers and rails ready to ride these guys out of town and never bring them back. So 193 to nothing never happens in the state of Pennsylvania. It happened. That's the kind of thing that can happen in Kentucky. And it can happen in California. Well, yeah, it no. can happen well, Kelly California. about California. Yeah, I'm an optimist, but, uh, <laughs> yeah let's no. ask Kelly. Well, Doug LaMalfa, what do you say, for Kelly? example, yeah, Doug LaMalfa, he has the highest rating uh, constitutionally. His constitutional vote record is the highest of any uh, California congressman. And he is highly the result of uh, the Tea Party in the North State. And so, you know, the, the your reps represent, really, they represent, they're a cross-section of the constituents, what the constituents think, what they like, what their feelings are, whatever, blah, 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 um, and actually those who vote. But um, in the North State, we are very um, conservative, stunningly conservative. Um, we, gosh, we're up to eight states now that told Sacramento, we're done, okay? Here's our declaration that you don't represent us and we'd rather be our own state. So that's that's the thinking up north. Of course, California is run by the population centers, if you will, 
five of centers of uh, um, L.A., um, and then you got uh, the Bay Area, which is five million. We got like thirty-five or thirty-six million here, and then you got uh, Sacramento, which used to be awful lot conservative because it was just a cow town for probably about a hundred years until World War II. But um, it's it's a variety. Of course, over on the coast in uh, Napa Valley, they're quite liberals. Marin County, et cetera, et cetera. But locally, we have had an effect nationwide by putting Doug Lamalfa in, except for he he opposed the PTP at first. Now he's for it. It's a little bit frustrating. Um, so, I mean, please don't write off California is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, the whole state as one, because we're not. I would we got never. The, the foothills on the east side, Grass Valley of Sonora, there's about 50 wineries. Quite fascinating. And they're very conservative. Alvarado County Placer is complete Republican. They're on the northeast side of Sacramento. Um, yeah, so it's it's really a hodgepodge. We're just just like Oregon, Bill, there with the uh, Oregon area code. Um, we're just like Oregon. Uh, Oregon, Portland pretty much runs the whole, uh, Portland and Salem pretty much uh, dictate to the rest of the state what's going on. Um, Southern Oregon is hmm. very much like North California. So, what your state of Franklin? We, we, how, how's that going along? State of Jefferson? No, I had a good class. Yeah, we haven't heard about that for a while. Jefferson. Yeah, there's, we got to get those pe- people on the show, yeah. Um, yeah, they got eight eight counties. If you combine the size of these counties, we're much bigger than Massachusetts. I mean, just two counties alone is bigger than the state of Massachusetts. And we have like... Two, two or three counties who only have one state house rep. We got to get those people on the show. Um, this is probably the end. I don't know, sixth, seventh uh, state of Jefferson movement since the state formed in 1848. Um, but yeah, we we have had an impact. I've seen that what the Tea Party has done to get a really good congressman in place. Oh, by the way, I figured out. Uh, What's it going what to take to, uh, you know, the, yeah. I figured out what the state mascot should be for the state of Jefferson if we become a state. I can't hear. Yeah, the state mascot, like, for example, uh, California has the bear on the flag. I'm going to guess oh, yeah. a beaver. Yeah, so the mascot for the state of Jefferson should be Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot, yeah. Well, let me tell you why. Oh, three main reasons. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. three main reasons. Uh, certainly. Yeah, I could use some humor. Kelly, go ahead. We, we rely on you for our humor for the show. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> he's he's smart enough to protect his privacy. You know, he's not caught. Number two, all he wants is to be left alone and take care of his family, provide for his family. And the third reason, yeah, you don't mess, mess with Bigfoot, Bigfoot, you're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. You mean like those, like those uh, mess with well, like those mess with Sasquatch commercials? Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> would we use the Native American term, Sasquatch? Sasquatch. Oh, yeah. Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Well, guys, can I can I mention something that I've been quiet for a long time, so I, I kind of got stored up yep. a few things I wanted no, to say. No, uh, go ahead. And I'm just thinking okay. uh, perhaps our guests will not be making it with us tonight. I'll have to 
uh, speak with the scheduler and see um, when we might be able to reschedule them. I know we've got uh, the next three weeks, uh, the next three weeks uh, that are taken up or booked. So it may be uh, the second or third week in July before we can have uh, Mr. Bevan back on. Unfortunately, uh, now there will be the uh, Wednesday after July 4th uh, that there will not be a show. I will be uh, heading down to your neck of the woods, Cindy, and I'm going to be visiting my brother uh, down there. He lives uh, in Lutz, Florida, which is outside of Orlando. And so I will be uh, down there uh, visiting for about a week. And so that week I probably won't be able to uh, have a show, but I'll be hopefully, to be honest, folks, getting a little R&R in. Uh, we're laying on a beach somewhere uh, having a oh, pina nice. colada. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able to, uh, at least one of those days, uh, Cindy, do lunch. Better, but let's better go ahead a, and uh, bring, it, bring it back to you. You better be, bring, wear a, you better rent a beach cabana because in July the sun is hot here. <laughs> Well, um, well, well I'm, I'm part American Indian, so uh, or Native American. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, good luck. Anyway, <laughs> um, somebody was talking about the speed at which things are happening these days, and I wanted to make a comment, but with that, because I think that it's the speed of legislation these days that is killing us. We need a read the bill law, which is something that my representative Ron DeSantis was working on for a while. And we need representatives who will slow things down and make sure that there's plenty of time to read the bills, plenty of debate on the floor, not just in the committees, but on the floor. And um, we've got to start uh, holding our our, uh, representatives accountable for making sure they know exactly what's in that bill. Somebody had mentioned earlier the TPP, and that one in particular if your congressman has not read that bill, he is a dimwit, and you you know you sometimes we need to educate our own congressman, and that's just that's ludicrous, that's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I wanted to bring out that um, some a couple of things back to our Matt Bevan topic. Um, I did find an article that says that um, McConnell did endorse. Bevin's candidacy, uh, it was in a one-sentence news release from his office. Um, It says this, I congratulate Matt Bevin on his victory and endorse him for governor, period. That's it. Now, not only did he do that, but he skipped that um, Lincoln Day dinner where Bevin was the keynote speaker and where Rand Paul made his... um, endorsement. Um, He claimed that he had to get to Washington for a special Sunday session because, and get this. Oh, yeah, for the NSA, wasn't it? Yeah, he's trying to avert Mm. the expiration of the Patriot Act. I'm like, don't go. Let it expire. Let it expire. You know, get get rid of that thing. Why why is he so anxious? to keep that thing going, it's just so scary. Anyway, Devin uh, now has to uh, come up against Jack Conway. He has already won two state elections uh, as uh, Kentucky's attorney general, and he's got 
huge campaign donations coming in. Um, Matt, you know, of course, spent at least a million dollars of his own money um, on his campaign. And I'm just wondering, have the have the GOP establishment um, characters, have they abandoned him and they're not going to help him and they're like, okay, let Jack Conway win and let's show people that um, Tea Party candidates can't win these elections. Well, I don't know how that shows anything if they don't have the backing of their own party um, because who can win without the backing of their own party? Um, well, I kind of think Bevin can. I really do. I think he has finally gotten enough of the ear of the people that he's been able to put forth his plan. He says he has a blueprint, and even um, um, uh, Comer, that's his name, even that Comer guy that he ran against, admits that um he mm-hmm. had a um he had a plan in fact he he kind of says uh well let me just say um he said this um hang on let me see if i can find it cuz um okay here um throughout the entire campaign primary campaign I grew to appreciate Matt Bevan's knowledge of the issues, his work ethic, and his morals. Matt ran a clean campaign which focused on the issues important to Kentuckians. He predicted, uh, Comer predicted, that Bevan would, quote, stand up to the special interest groups and fight corruption, and he offered Bevan his enthusiastic endorsement. Um, So, you know, he has... He has something that people are identifying with. He has something that is uh, uh, gathering up friends, gathering up endorsements. And, of course, now his name's been in the news a lot more, and so people are, are getting to know him. And maybe they're listening more to what he has to say and what his um, plan is. And so maybe that's why... He does have. They're certainly already blasting. Yeah, they're certainly already blasting him on the other side. Because uh, well, I've been reading through some articles uh, tonight in uh, preparation for the show, and you know, I was reading some. Uh, you know, I was reading places uh, when I was, you know, getting uh, some interview questions and that uh, together. That yeah, they're already you know, blasting him. Even one uh, went as far as uh, calling him a bigot, which would be interesting to uh, investigate. Not that I'm saying I. <laughs> Uh, believe that, but um, the, the person, of course, said made this yeah. comment without any kind of proof every in the comment. Party, it wasn't a media; it was just somebody commenting party. off of an article. Go ahead. Well, every Tea Party, every Tea Party candidate has been accused of being a bigot and a, and a racist. Well, and, and, and also, well, and they're already. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to uh, Matt about tonight. Was uh, they're already starting to use some of the things that McConnell has said about Bevin. And I've already started to make ads using those comments uh, that McConnell's had uh, against Bevan. Uh, that's something I wanted to uh, ask him about tonight. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened tonight. I'm sure I'll find out uh, tomorrow. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, is that we probably won't be able to hear from him again until 
until the middle of July. Uh, now I know they're. I mean, the general election for Kentucky is this year. It will be this November, 2015. They uh, elect your governors on the off years or odd years uh, for that. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get them back on then uh, sometime in the middle of July unless something else uh, comes up or if he calls in in the next uh, 30 minutes, which uh, let's just be honest, folks, I don't expect that to happen. Um, I will find out and at least give you guys some uh, – uh, the reasoning behind what happened uh, today, maybe something happened with the, the scheduling or the scheduler, put it, I don't know. That's something that I will uh, have. I mean, well, I'll tell you what. We, were, we were confirmed, and, uh, and I just actually spoke with the scheduler two days ago uh, confirming everything. So, Robert, I'll Go tell ahead, you what. Um, this is what happens when you get, not, not important um, necessarily, but when you get... Uh, engaged, uh, you find that it's not overcommitting, but that your commitments tend to eat up everything that you've got. And I'll tell you, um, and this isn't from experience as a political candidate, but from my own experience uh, in the last number of years as a political activist, and I think a lot of people out there will identify with this if you've been busy, you get busier. And if you're committed, you get more committed. And more gets stumped on you, and uh, you reach a, at some point a, a point where you're just not able to cope, where you're too tired, and maybe you make a mistake, or you find that you can't make something that you really, really wanted to make. And you said you were going to be there, and because something else came up, and and you couldn't ignore it. Um, and or what you ends win up an election, and everybody's pulling at you all of a sudden. <laughs> true, true. No, I, I understand is, that. Uh, this is this is what Matt Bevan did. He did this last year. He he pushed himself to the brink, and he didn't win. He got his you know what handed to him by McConnell, in a valiant fight against amazingly daunting mm-hmm. odds. And I'm sure at the end of this he was beaten and bruised, but he was unbowed. So what he did was he rested, and he came back with a renewed vigor with a, a second wind. You get your second win, your third win, your fourth win. And you also find that all of a sudden things are a little bit clearer and you can prioritize a little bit. And unfortunately, what that means is sometimes you have to make sacrifices and it's not always comfortable ones. It's sometimes it's ones that, that you know, you, there there's events tonight that, I, you know, there's one with Shanine Allen uh, and uh, one of our state senators, Daryl Metcalf, who's a dear friend and in uh maybe 80, 90 miles from here, and I would really love to have gone. But in addition to this show, and maybe I could have made it back in time, I had a political meeting myself this evening. And you can't go to everything. You can't do everything. Uh, I'm really careful not to overcommit, but if I was in Matt Bevan's shoes, I'm pretty sure that something, um, you'd end up disappointing people sometimes. And that's just the way you got to deal with things. And I'm not yeah, when I was talking with the, no, when I was talking to uh, when I was talking with the scheduler, uh, he you know did say or it was either on the phone or through correspondence on email because uh, we both talked on the phone and through email, find it both ways that uh, this was the last engagement he had for this evening, um, and so because I asked him how much time he'd be able to give us because you guys recall in the past that the other two times that uh, Bevan's been here, I mean he he stayed for a good hour. Plus, I think one night even stayed 
an hour and a half, so I was seeing how much time he uh, could spend. And the scaler said, well, you know, it just depends on his personal schedule and what happens, uh, you know, afterwards, after the, you know, the things he had today. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find, as I said, we'll find out in the not-too-distant future on, on what that was. Um, and I do apologize to everybody for uh, him not being on, uh, but we'll uh, I'll have some answers for you uh, probably but, you uh, know, by the, the thing, next Robert, show. The thing is, no matter who we have as a guest, no matter how long they stay, no matter uh, who might be calling in, it's always a scintillating conversation and a bunch of honest views. Um, so I don't think anybody was shortchanged. Um, and again, uh, just to complete a thought, after you get exhausted, after you get your second wind, here's what happens. You come back more efficient than before, and within a week or two, you're overburdened again. Because if you're really committed, <laughs> yeah. they'll keep throwing stuff at you. Robert, you know what this feels like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, certainly. No, no, I certainly do. No, I understand. It just, you know, I, I know there's a lot of folks, uh, you know, excited about uh, having him come on, talk about his victory, things of that nature, uh, you know, talk about moving forward. Uh, you know, of course, we've, we've all had questions that we want to ask or guess. And one thing I certainly don't want to do uh, to either the panelists or the audience, of course, is uh, to let folks down. And <laughs> so I certainly uh, don't want that, you know, to happen. So. Hey, Robert, we got a lot of information out about Matt Bevan tonight. I mean, you know, people do their homework. Oh, yeah, and we, have ways, we have other ways to get information about Matt Bevan, and and uh, we'll bring him on another time. Um, and, you know, I didn't even get a chance to advertise tonight because I have three jobs now, and so <laughs> I uh, I don't have any time anymore. But anyway, um, uh, so, you know, just because we didn't have him on doesn't mean we don't know some of the things that he knows. Of course, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I would love to know about. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier about how the other side was, um, um, you know, treating him. Well, I was also looking at the New York Times uh, article, and um, they are very uh, critical. And, and this is the comment that... that disturbs me the most because this is what all the the progressives, the, liter, the liberals want us to think. <laughs> Mr. Bevan, quote, quote, Mr. Bevan won a primary contest that renewed deep divisions between the insurgent Tea Party wing of Kentucky's Republican Party and the party establishment. Now, considering, in, considering the last thing that I read you, the quote by Comer, who was defeated by Mr. Bevan. I would say that what Mr. Bevan did, and what he also did in his acceptance speech, was to um, promise to do his best to bring the Republican Party together, to bring the sides of the of the Republican Party together. Now, whether he's going to be able to do that or not, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, you can't call the GOP leadership or, you know, what we would call the establishment GOP, you can't call them flexible. Um, they're they're pretty hard to get along with. So maybe it will or maybe it won't hope that happen. However, when you see that they have both, McConnell and Comer, have um, endorsed uh, Matt, when you see that Ron Paul has, I mean, Rand Paul, 
has endorsed Bevin, uh, you, you can see that the Kentucky Republican Party is together on wanting to win uh, as far mm-hmm. as their comments are concerned. Now, maybe the New York Times knows something that we don't about uh, how McConnell really feels in deep down in his heart. Um, no, we think, I think we all got an idea of what, uh, of what he really feels, but they don't want to lose, or at least, well, we think they wouldn't want to lose. Go ahead, son. And let's go well, ahead and bring they, Bill they, and uh, know, Kelly back also, in, but go ahead. They also, the New York Times also points out um, what happened in the, in the battle against McConnell in the Senate race and how McConnell had called Bevin a, uh, an East Coast outsider and accused him of mm-hmm. lying of his, about his education and told him he, he, he was uh, speaking in favor of cockfighting and stuff like that. So um, oh, yeah. that's the kind of that's the kind of thing they want. They want to do mudslinging to try to get the Republicans um, off guard, to try to get them um, divided, to you know, to try to deepen the the, the division. That's why it's like self self fulfilling prophecy. You know, they're trying to get us to feel that way just because they say that's the way it is. Well, it's it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the way it is, and we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, whether um, Matt gets the help that he needs from the GOP or not, and if he doesn't, let's see. Let's watch all the the, the conservative Kentucky uh, citizens. Let's see how they open their wallet, and and let's find out how serious they are about getting a reformer uh, as the governor of their of their state. Bill, let's go ahead and uh, bring you back into the uh, discussion. If anything you'd like to add, go ahead. Uh, no, I really don't. I mean, uh, listening to Cindy's last comment, I haven't to agree with her. Um, uh, I'm still um, a bit skeptical about uh, McConnell's endorsement. I thought it was rather uh, short and brusque. Aloof. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I don't know if he's still holding a grudge or hard feelings against uh, uh, Mr. Bevins uh, regarding the last race. Um, but uh, again, I see the uh, the establishment, and I'm sure that there's probably going to be a lot of uh, leaks, if you will, uh, to the various uh, liberal uh, press outlets uh regarding uh anything they might be able to find on uh matt um and um i'm sure and we've seen examples of it in the past regarding the uh attitude towards the tea party um i mean i think it was even uh mr obama who mentioned that uh we should let go of our guns god and bibles um it's uh to me, an old boy system, um, and regardless of whether you have a D or an R afterwards, um, I see a lot of uh, influence by um, special interest groups. Uh, that is going to be a tough challenge for uh, Mr. Bevan uh, or anyone else uh, to take on. Um, I think uh, Kelly brought up the uh, uh idea of the uh, 
military-industrial complex. And uh, regardless of how we may uh, feel about it, uh, I believe that they do hold sway over um, many of the uh, politicians that we have in Washington right now. Absolutely. So the idea that you know we can make changes on a national level at this point in time um, seems, um, well, like a pipe dream. And again, um, as Kelly can testify, I'm rather cynical about the whole system and what's going on. Um, I've read uh, one book that was quite interesting, oh, quite quite a few years ago. Um, it was uh, entitled The Incredible Bread-Making Machine. Um, and basically it lo- outlined um, how um, the lobbyists and special interest groups uh, for various uh, industries and uh, companies in, in this country had uh, more or less uh, written laws or had... Um, uh, lobbied for laws which would basically uh, cut out the competition. Uh, we see a lot of that what, what's going on now. Um, I think I've mentioned before, last we talked uh, regarding uh, the situation in Northern California, the uh, timber industry up here, and how it was virtually decimated uh supposedly under the guise of an environmental crisis regarding the spotted owl. Um, so when we get to the point where... Well, the spotted uh, owl get a lot of slack, man. I'll tell you what, I guess slack. I go ahead. Go ahead <laughs> well, you know, it, it, at that time, I even recognized what was going on. And <clears throat> I think Dan has talked uh, about the uninformed uh, masses, which... Uh, the uh, the system depends upon, and uh, that uh, really uh, brought down uh, our uh, private uh, and small uh, timber industries uh, to a halt. Um, and I I give kudos to uh, Mr. Bevins and wish him all the best. Um, and. Uh, I think at this point, I think he's in the uh, best position to affect any change uh, at the state level. Um, I think that uh, the idea of um, uh, an ambitious young man as him uh, going to Washington as a congressman or a senator um, could really take a toll on him. I think uh, we're seeing examples of that to uh, what uh, Rand Paul has has done. His comment about how uh, Republican hawks were the ones that created ISIS is just really jaw-dropping. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. he was speaking on a personal uh, level or if he actually believed that. Well, oh, it sounds like he, you know, I, I've seen well, the audio clip, I've seen the video. I, it sounds like he actually believed that. But real quick, a program note, it looks like we only have about uh, 50 minutes of the live portion of the show. Uh, and so we'll go into the extended period, uh, and which uh don't know how long we'll be in there. But if anyone out there 
uh, would like to listen to the extended period or what sometimes we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, go ahead and give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you'd like to chime in on any of the uh, topics that we have tonight, uh, so again, just give us a call at 347 945 7428. And I just want to uh, bring up another person uh, that we're going to be uh, having on uh, not next week, uh, but the week after that. Um, we're also going to have Mr. Norris on, a Norris Golf, and he is from the U.S. Constitution Project, and he will be on the Wednesday after next, so that will be the 17th. And on the 24th, we will have Gary Blonick on the show. And uh, what Gary will be talking about is his new book called Democracy in Business, a Transdisciplinary Critique of Hierarchy. Uh, so we'll be talking about uh, his book, the first of what's going to be three uh, books. So we'll be having him on. On the 27th, uh, you can also uh, check out uh, about his book, Democracy in Business. Uh, just Google it. Or it's also on Amazon. I think they have the price wrong on Amazon. So uh, check out that book as well. And that's from a G. Michael Blonick. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you folks. And if, as I said, if you'd like to call in at 347-945-7428, because if you do not end with the 14 minutes, uh, you will not be able to hear the audio even though the show will continue. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Bill, and also you, Dan, and then we'll bring Kelly back into the show. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, well, um, actually, I don't really have much more to say on that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I wish I was more uh, more well-versed in the uh, uh, details of uh, Matt Bevan's uh campaign and other uh variables that are involved in it. Unfortunately where I'm at <clears throat> yeah I do not have internet access. And uh being up in the hills here it's uh kind of difficult to get that service. Uh, I could get it through AT and T but I don't like AT and T so uh, <laughs> I'm fairly fairly limited. Um yeah I dealt I dealt with AT and T for years and uh was constantly frustrated every time I received my bill. So um yeah, as far as my cell service I had to change over to another cell service just so I could talk to somebody from where I live. So anyways I'll hand it over to the rest of you. Well Kelly we haven't uh, brought in for a while and so let's go ahead and uh, we're also going to have James Neighbors uh, come in this evening and chat with him briefly. Um, we we're kind of hoping, Kelly, you'd have some marriage jibes uh, to give to him. But, alas, uh, we're getting a chance to talk with James. Um, I, I spoke with him, or I should say chatted with him briefly, because uh, one of the things that he said, is he talked about the one uh, when he was running for, uh, when Bevan was running for uh, the primary and for Senate, that he's going to get involved, uh, the organization of the Overpasses for America. Now, I don't know how far uh, that went or if anything uh, came uh, to be with that, but that's definitely something I uh, would like to move forward with uh, James and the organization. 
and perhaps uh, helping Bevan spread the word of Bevan's campaign. But we'll see once we can uh, speak with speak with James again, and maybe you'll get that opportunity, Kelly, to make some uh, marriage jabs at him since you are, are our resident comic as well as our constitutional scholar. So go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I uh, got you there. There he is. <laughs> I was I was hiding. I'm just shy. I don't want to talk anymore. All right. Anyway, if I talk, yeah, right. then I violate the eighth. <laughs> <laughs> if I talk, then I can violate the eighth deadly sin. All right. Uh, um, violate the eighth deadly sin. All right. You can uh, you can tell what uh, Bill the eighth deadly sin is. Yeah, hogging the microphone. All right. Um. All right. Well, I'm doing some more research here. Um, what is the what is the name of his competitor in I'm thinking business here, competitor, uh the gubernatorial challenger, the Democrat. Is he Jack easy Conway. attorney general? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jack Conway, he's the attorney general now, right? Did I hear that? Yeah, right? he's, he's the attorney general of Kentucky. A G of Kentucky, okay. Fascinating. That was because a song I'm trying by to Hank find Williams. What Conway? No, AG of Kentucky. Oh, okay. Well, let me. Um, actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of researching something that might help Matt. So why don't you um, call me up in about uh, about five minutes or so? I'm looking for an answer that can really help Evans. Well, this is good. Yeah. So, All right. Well. Um, if if you're what did you use that right the moment. Yeah, I heard it was about five minutes. <laughs> searching something that could help. I'll call you up. I'll call. Come back to him in five minutes. Is what he said. Yeah, he's, we'll he's uh, distracted. Five minutes with, uh, before the live portion of the show, and we go into the extended period. Yeah, he's distracted oh. with research. Well, if you need a little bloviating, oh, I... I'll. I got to call it an early <laughs> evening anyway, so I'll fill in for just a moment or two, um, and violate that eighth deadly sin. Uh, if you're if you're it's cynical, your turn. yeah, I guess if you're cynical out there about our chances, um, and it's hard not to be sometimes. I mean, pretty much, I give up uh, every single day for you know five minutes, have a good cry, whine a little while, and then uh, get right back to it because that's what we have to do. Uh, I think our four, uh, even though we're not used to seeing them. Or thinking of them whining and crying. Uh, I'm a sensitive New Age guy. I figure I'm entitled to five minutes a day of that, and then back to work, because the work is what's <laughs> important and it gets it needs to get done. Um, we we can prepare and we can work for what's going to happen next after we win. I'm, I'm not wondering whether we're going to win, because wondering if I'm going to win and being cynical about whether I'm going to win and whining and crying and uh, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth and getting all depressed. So I try to be cheerful. Most of the time I am because I'm a cheerful guy. And there's evidence, factual evidence, every single day that we're winning. Now, it's not going to be a fait accompli, easy, one day, all of a sudden, everyone wakes up, gets on the same page, does it. It's never going to be that. What it's going to be is a 
dedicated and devoted minority, which is growing every day, that will not give up, that insists, that says no to the other side, that will not let them get away with anything, and that pushes our agenda, which is the agenda of every man, of every individual, which is different for every individual, but means that they get to do what they want with their lives, and government doesn't step in in any way whatsoever until and if there's actual harm. And I believe that's a good place for government to step in. To, you know, if, if there's somebody gets shot or uh, robbed or cheated in a contract, I think that it's good to have police and courts and all the rest of that stuff. I like to have a military for, for a border and, and uh, to things like that. It's, it's what we should be doing. Um, and there are lots of ways to fight. But if you've given up, if you're really cynical, there's one very important thing you can do. I mean, besides educating people. Um, and try and be positive. If you sit there whining and crying, you're really not going to get anyone to join your side unless they like to whine and cry a lot. People like fun. <laughs> if you look what people like, they like to have a good time. They like to feel like they're part of something. They like to feel that they're valued and worth something. They like to be told the truth. They don't like to be lied to. Even if it's a nice lie, they can tell it's a lie, and after a while they get really tired of that. So what you can do if you're ready to give up is join the militia or or support the militia. And I don't mean crazy armed insurrectionists who are you know, creeping about the woods plotting to assassinate and overthrow the government. I don't want to overthrow the government. I just want to kick all the bums out. And that's pretty straightforward. So when I say the militia... What I mean are law-abiding citizens, and, and this includes support personnel, so you don't necessarily... I know a militia member is in a wheelchair. She's older. She's a Navy vet. Um, she's a staunch patriot. Um, she is unable, due to her physical problems and her age, to go out there and carry a gun, uh, although I'm pretty sure she might be packing. I'm not going to say. What she is able to do is support them, because they need support. Every person you have in the field takes at least 10 people. And the whole purpose of the militia is twofold. One is to prepare. And a great way to prepare is to help your neighbors. Uh, we have militia units here in Pennsylvania when there's a lost child or there's a forest fire. Uh, as part of their exercise, part of their training, they'll go out and they'll help. And this is a welcome help, and they're peaceful and law-abiding. And they cooperate with law-abiding law enforcement, because I don't have any problem with the law doing legal, proper, constitutional things. And sometimes if there's a lost child, you want direction, and you want the helicopters, and you want guys with dogs, and, you know, high-tech heat-sensing equipment, and all that, because that's important to find that child. But just the mere presence of a militia means that it throws a monkey wrench in the plans of the status. Had we no armed men and women, had we no organization and training, then they really wouldn't have to worry too much. Because even if we successfully took back all of our local races in politics, and then all of our county and, and state races in politics, and even if we took back, my goodness, national government in politics, as long as they still controlled uh, the military and had all these wonder weapons at their disposal, uh, they could easily 
get rid of the troublemakers and cow the rest of them into uh, submission. They can't do that if we stand up. And if you want peace, you prepare for war. Um, I, I myself I don't like to brag or anything like that, but I guess people who know me know it's not bragging. It's just how I am and how I was um, how I was made. Um, it's not that I don't feel fear, but I won't give in to it, and I will go where I want to go, and I will walk through a project of, in the ghetto. I don't care. I don't care what kind of ghetto it is, white, black, yellow, brown, I don't care. If I, if I have a reason to be there, and um, there are good people living there, too, and I know some of them, and I'll go there, and nobody messes with me. And the reason they don't mess with me is more than the fact that I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds, you know, and it's it's more than that. It's the fact that I'm aware of the danger, and when I see a bad actor trying to stare me down, I just stare back at him. I'm not prevent, presenting a threat. I'm not telling him, I I want to do you in. What I'm telling him is, I don't mean you any physical harm. But if you mean to do me in, it will cost you everything I can possibly make it cost you. So they have a choice. And the choice is, unless they're crazy, I don't care how many of them there are either. It's not that I could take on a gang of 50 by myself with just my cane that I walk with. Uh, No, (laughs) they could take me. But some number of them are going to pay an extremely high price. And each one of those people needs to know that they might be that one. So they're not going to mess with me. I'm not threatening them. And I'm letting them know. This also works with uh, junkyard dogs and politicians. It works with the statists. If we continue to build our peaceful, malicious uh, system, uh, the people out there who are organized, who are trained, who are equipped, who understand all of the things that are required for an active militia unit, and there are lists of things out there that are important, and who also maintain a political stance in a peaceful way, then this puts a serious monkey wrench in their plans. How are they possibly going to win against that without paying a real price? Now, could a militia group of, let's say, I don't know, 10, 30, 50 people stand up against the U.S. military? And the answer is, you bet, just long enough to make sure that, that those military people have a choice to make themselves. There are some Oath Keepers in there. Remember, it's an all-volunteer force at this point. Remember also that even though they've cashiered under the Obama regime, um, almost every constitutionalist-minded general and admiral, even the colonels, even the majors, they're down to the ranks of captain as far as their purge. There are people who are remaining who are just really good at keeping their mouth shut. And in the military, one thing that uh, people who want to move ahead learn to do is keep their mouth shut and keep their face very stoic. Nothing shows. We have allies who are still in the ranks. I guarantee that, folks. I know we do. I need not say any more on that subject other than the fact that the other side doesn't know who they are. They don't even have suspicion because some of them are the ones they think they can count on. And when you get down to the non-com level, when you get down to sergeants, when you get down to enlisted men, career people, 
they volunteers, and their oath means far more to the Constitution and to what America is, to Americans, than it does to any president who happens to be sitting in office or any general who gives them an order. Okay, they, They'll do what is appropriate, and they won't do what isn't. Some will, but enough won't. So we need to be able to stand against them. That's if you're completely at the point where you just don't believe that politics is going to work well. There's one last thing you can do that will, that will help us in politics. Believe me, uh, it, as Metternich said, in statecraft, you want to have that velvet glove, and inside that velvet glove, you want an iron fist. And on that note, it is midnight, and I'm getting really, really tired, and I can't talk much more. So please, somebody else take over. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, uh, Dan. I think uh, Kelly ought to be ready to set. Uh, yeah, because I had, you know, at least uh, uh, a half hour, 45 minutes, if not an hour worth of uh, interview questions anyway for Bevan uh, for tonight. So uh, him not uh, coming with us uh, kind of uh, took away from there. But as you said earlier, we always have a good conversation here on the show. Uh, and, you know, we've all been uh, pretty busy. So we're getting wearing down, worn down ourselves. But, Let's see if Kelly, if you're prepared now for uh, what you were working on there. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think we've got a kink um, <clears throat> in the armor on his competition, Mr. Jack Conway, the Attorney General of Kentucky. Ooh. And this comes through, of course, the grand jury. That's kind of one of my focuses. Um, <clears throat> if Matt comes out with a spiel that says, look, I want to really um, – strengthen the grand juries of Kentucky. There's district grand juries and there's county grand juries. I want to strengthen this. Um, oh, oh, by the way, when was the last time the attorney general went to a, uh, a circuit judge over a district to convene a grand jury over corruption in government? And did he do that during his whole reign? Well, that's what I'd like to see happen. It's a grand jury's more impaneled, more empowered. Um, I'm getting to this, but here's one of the codes. Well, this is in the uh, Kentucky Constitution, by the way. 1781. It's one of the few states that still has their early constitution. Massachusetts is another. Most of them have been replaced like after the Civil War. That's a whole other story. But Kentucky's still strong. Probably when they first became a state, and now it's uh, still still in place. Um, studying here in their constitution. Uh, judges of those county court, justices of the peace, sheriff's coroner, surveyors, jailers, assessors, county attorneys, and constables shall be subject to indictment or prosecution for misfeasance or malfeasance in office or willful neglect and discharge of official duties. Wow. Right up front, boom, grand jury can go after all these folks, even the judge of the county court. This is really stunning. They've got good codes. Um, First thing I look at when I study a state, if the right of petition is there, boom, it's right there. By petition, uh, Section 1 of the uh, Kentucky Constitution. New York is not a petition state, by the way. You know the right of petition. The right of petition goes to a grand jury, um, Bureau of Jury versus Grand Jury Adderley versus Florida. Um, anyway, so it's a petition state. New York, they say, oh, you can petition your legislature. Well, not, why not petition the grand jury? That's a whole other for another topic. All right, but I'm 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 um, looking at this power here in the state constitution, 
and and how they set it up so that yeah, you can hold these jokers accountable to indictment, which is only by a grand jury. So, uh, the AG, I would love to find out if you ever asked the judge to convene a grand jury over government corruption. This, the, oh, this is this is the thinking you in this guy because he probably will know. So here's a little speech. This takes about one minute. I wrote this earlier today. Um, if Matt gets passionate as I am about the grand jury, as the framers of the Kentucky Constitution were, um, this little one-minute spiel that I think could really help him connect, you know, strike a hard chord with people. Um, this is a little little quick speech here, if I was a speechwriter. Um, as governor, I would like to propose a specific corrupt, corruption cleanup plan. I would like to see everyday citizens on a panel that can investigate government corruption to make a presentment of their findings to the public. This panel of citizens would have subpoena power backed by a judge. Citizens or whistleblowers could submit a petition to this panel for addressing grievances. This might sound like a new idea, but it was with the colonies before we were independent in 1776. This system is called the grand jury. The grand jury was instrumental in swift justice when the Boston Massacre occurred in 1770. Although Kentucky has grand juries, I would like to strengthen this system and make it more accessible, accessible to people's petitions. This system holds even me accountable if, as governor, I get elected. As governor, I would work for the betterment of the grand jury for the betterment of the people. This, I promise, should I be elected governor of Kentucky. Uh, so what's going on here? Very good, Kelly. The way. <laughs> well, I Sounds really good. I'm impressed, yeah. And it's a little speech thing, if, if he takes it up. And it takes one minute. But if, if Mr. Bevins was willing to do this, I mean, just, just in a library and wherever, he's got he's got five minutes, just read that. I'll do a video nah, following you know up how powerful this is It's really for good. him in Kentucky. It's really good, but it's it's too dry, and it sounds legalistic. You're going to lose uh, 98% of your audience in the first four words. If he decides he wants to go with the sentiment behind it, and I'm sure he's got his own writers, and maybe he can write himself. I don't know. Uh, but I'd be happy to punch write it and take no credit. Uh, you ghostwrite that sucker. Uh, you can make that. Uh, there's a lot of pith there, and I, a P-I-T-H, you know, the way that, uh, that guy O'Reilly won't like anymore says, uh, short and sweet. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good meat in that, um, and it could sound a lot better. Remember, we're trying to get through to the voters, and right, we're trying how, to get them elected. How educated are the voters? Well, see that that's where if he's willing to just give get in front of a camera, not in front of an audience, in front of a camera, yeah. I would do a YouTube video mm-hmm. explaining what this really means. I mean, he, he's willing to promote a system that would hold him accountable. At the same time, his competitor, Attorney General, when was the last time he went after corruption, asked a circuit judge to go investigate somebody? Probably didn't happen. You, you see the stark contrast here? It's it's stunning. And so here, here's the bottom line, so, uh, why this is so powerful. There's only been one person that ran for a significant office that ever, ever, mentioned doing this. It was Meg Whitman when she ran for governor of California. She wanted to get statewide grand juries. She didn't get elected, but she was totally like, oh my gosh, you get it, lady. You get this. And, of course, the San Francisco Chronicle crucified her for a Republican wanting another department 
gosh. Anyway, but how many politicians claim, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. I'm going to clean up the house. I'm, I'm going to clean up the mm-hmm. corruption. What's your plan? What's your plan? Well, uh, uh, I don't know. This is a specific <laughs> That's not the plan. Case yet. I'm, I'm thinking about that. Right, but this is a specific plan. But Bevan lays out, let's clean up corruption. I've got a very specific plan. These grand juries composed of everyday people. You petition to them, we clean house. It's in the state constitution. It's in the statutes. So let's do it. My competitor just kind of didn't want to go get anybody that was corrupt, even though he's probably got a better position to do it than uh, as, as attorney general than I would as governor. But still, the system has to be strengthened. So by the way, do you know what a grand juror got paid in 1797 as a grand jury member for their one day of service? No, I don't know. Five dollars. That's a lot of money. Wow, back then? That is a lot that's back over, then. That's more than a hundred bucks today, sir. It, it, oh, it shows how much more than that. people... <laughs> no, yeah, it could have been a hundred, hundred fifty bucks in today's dollars. That shows... How much in Kentucky, when they formed their constitution, how much they wanted the grand jury to go after all these jokers that may commit corruption? So, yeah, maybe maybe math speechwriters can liven this up. Maybe if they understand the value of it, maybe how all of a sudden it, it, it struck a chord in the voters. I, I would somehow have to get a hold of the speechwriter, but... Well, I'll help you. I help everybody else, so just let me know. Oh, you mean you mean reword this a little better? Uh, I won't use the word better. Better implies that there's something wrong with what you've got. There's nothing wrong with what you've got. It's, it's perfect for a certain audience, and, and that audience is people who um, are constitutional scholars who already understand the grand jury system and uh, what it means in terms of history. Yeah, we history all and know about it because... <laughs> Right, and and well, what it yeah, could right. mean in terms of cleaning up corruption in this incredibly corrupt country. Uh, but when I want to communicate with somebody, the first thing I think of is the message, and you've got a message there. That's the that's the most important part. So there's nothing wrong with it. But the next thing is I want them to get it. Communication is not me getting up. Uh, like, for instance, I, I I also speak some other languages. I could go to work. And I could speak uh, Russian or French. Well, French, I think there's three or four people who would probably get it. I don't think the one there's more than one person who or two who would even get a few words if I started speaking Russian there. So what good would it be if I was giving them incredibly important information, like the building's on fire, get to the nearest exit, if I wasn't able to communicate with them? So well, you, the next yeah, well, the, the, exactly, exactly. You got to pick the right writing language. Books. I know, and, I know exactly. I know, and that's why I'm asking yeah. for your help because <laughs> writing well, a book I'll, has changed my entire to. communication. Oh, awesome! Yeah, the thing the thing that's most important is that you want to reach the most people you can, and make it so that it's acceptable to all of them. So you've got to be able to write in a way that that constitutional scholar is not going to be bored. where the person who has absolutely no information at all is going to be interested and want to continue to listen, where the person who disagrees with you from the get-go, who thinks that the the exact opposite, 
whether they're informed or not, is still willing to listen because you may be able to convert them. You've got to get them to listen the whole time. In that, Obama fails. Bill Clinton never did. Ronald Reagan never did. Um, you would still listen to them even if you vehemently disagreed. They were better politicians than Obama in that sense. Um, the one thing to keep in mind is that when somebody is reading, unless they're, uh, they have an unusually wired brain, not a bad thing, um, but they generally read the words and speak them in their head. So the words that are being read are the words that they're speaking, and people like to sound eloquent, and it has to make sense. So there are a lot of little tricks that you can use. Uh, it's the sound of words. English is a fantastic language for this very function. It's better than any other language ever devised because there are so many different words that mean the same thing or something slightly different or something slightly different or the same thing in a different context or in a different word mm -hmm. order, and they have so many wonderful sounds um, Every single possible trick that you can use, uh, and I won't name them all in rhetoric, uh, can be used in English for any purpose whatsoever. And you can take something that somebody already feels inside, or you can, you know, that they they would resonate with, and explain it to them in a parable, in a story, in an analogy, and have them feel when they they're they're done reading it that they've just just amazingly seen their own truth expressed so well that they want to repeat it. And it's fun. It's fun to do that. I, I've helped oh, it's a, a yeah, lot it's of a people. Challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, the oh, by, great by the way, by is, the way, Dan, you, yeah. you, you go, uh, go, finish your thought. And I tell you well, how the language you speak. The, the really great thing for me is because I can't do everything for everybody all the time because I'm one person, uh, as much energy as I may have, it's not enough for that. Um, a lot of the writers that I've been helping develop, and some of them are, are in politics and some of them are not, um, but after a little while, most of them have seemed to get it and they begin to find their own voice and a way of expressing things so that it isn't a challenge for me. It's like an academic exercise. How do I take their wonderful thought, make it sound just like them, but make it so that every it's going to be completely accessible, digestible, and appealing to everyone that they're going to be appealing to. Um, but they start doing that. And there's people I used to write for who they hadn't come to me in a while. And I was, uh, you know, I thought, oh, gee, I guess I didn't do such a good job. Or maybe they don't need me anymore. And then I looked at what they're doing currently, and they don't need me anymore. They're doing awesome. it fine on their own. Yeah, which means I don't have to do it. And hopefully maybe <laughs> they're uh, helping somebody else come along. Awesome. Go ahead. Well, well, communication is connecting. And since in my early 20s when I had a healing, several people told me, like, you have the ability to put into words what other people are thinking and feeling but can't express. And through that, I connect with people. And communication is not about me. It's about helping someone else understand. i got a mess of a situation where I brought people together, a restaurant owner is about ready to sue. It was his own fault because he didn't get a permit. But I got him talking with the building department. We're going to get a permit tomorrow. It's taking a lot of work, but I'm getting people to talk. Connecting with both sides, and we're going to get this resolved. 
And communication is, a, is an ability to connect in such a way that you, you win somebody's heart. And it's a skill that I, you know, in my 20s I learned engineering. In my 30s I learned how to write. In my 40s I'm learning how to communicate and connect. This is a challenge as hard as can believe. The, the connecting and communication, I, I so appreciate your offer, Dan. And so now I want to tell you about another language you speak. You, well, you there speak are several others. Yeah, you speak contractor. Okay, why why do you say that? Well, you issued a swear word the other day, and I, I also speak contractor because... <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 the, the contractors have a plethora of explicitive superlatives. My uh, my grandfather, uh, one grandfather was a trucker, and the other grandfather was a cab driver, and um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> there might be but a sailor somewhere uh, down in the ancestry or something. Now. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I, 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 I was waiting. Check. Uh, if if at all possible, I, I I think that most people prefer positiveness, and they uh, even though they resonate to uh, the occasional rant and curse word and the rest of that stuff. It's uh, Mm -hmm. necessary in most cases. And when you use it extremely sparingly when it does come out, it's not only hopefully forgivable, but it's also uh, really, really powerful. But if if, if you throw the F-bomb around all the time, (laughs) it it has no effect at all. I mean, people just yeah, yeah, it's distasteful. Um, There are ways to say things that are, right. uh, you can be as derogatory as you need to be or as negative or as satirical or whatever by using analogies, uh, you know, comparing something to something else uh, in in a smart way, in a clever way that, that is not too clever so people get it and uh, works just fine. You know, those expletives yeah. are used yeah, when we lose it. It's it's when we lose it that we use those words. When we're really in a thinking mood and, and, and we want to form our sentences uh, intelligently, um, we, we can do that. But then when we lose it is when, and, and I, don't, I don't know why I'm saying we, because I, I don't really do that. If you hear me say a bad word, something's really wrong. <laughs> but anyway, um, most people I know, um, and you guys here, you don't really want to use that language because you know that there's a better word well, out there. There's something no, more. I do. There's, yeah, there's every <laughs> day I, I want to. I just don't let myself. <laughs> well, you know what I, I mean. Really you know what I mean. You don't want that to come out. You you would love for people to know how mad you are, and sometimes it takes that kind of language to let people know how mad you are. But really, Dan, you and Kelly and and Robert and a lot of the people who come on the show. We know words that mean the same thing, um, that um, define anger. It's, they're synonyms for anger, and we, we know how to use them, and so we do. But let's just suffice it to say to everybody out there who might be listening right now, we get very angry. I am very angry. I, I get so mm-hmm. angry, I just want to, I, I, sometimes I do, mute the phone and start yelling. <laughs> I, but I don't, the notes, you know. Cindy. <laughs> well, Cindy, well, Cindy, do you use a plethora of expressive, explicitive superlatives? <laughs> well, when I yell, I really don't. I don't use the superlatives so much as I just use my volume. I say the same thing with a lot of volume. 
<laughs> which and, you can't and, really And what about that. you, Bill? <laughs> so how do you handle how you how do you handle the anger? <laughs> well, depending on the uh, company that I'm uh, in presence of, uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. Driver uh, spent uh, many years in the Marine Corps and uh, had. <laughs> My father was a uh, Navy man, so I learned all of those uh, nice uh, words that uh, are used to describe some emotion or another or some uh, discontent with whatever. Um, but, uh, again, uh, depending upon the company that I'm in presence at. Uh, so you can curse like sailor. I, I can. Um, I can. Uh, I, I prefer not to if I can... Uh, help it. Uh, I, I still have children. Now. Well, I, I, I'll tell you. You know what? I, I, I appreciate that sentiment extremely much. And, and politeness is a, a lost art in some areas. But uh, you should just. I really love to to let loose. And generally, I get an opportunity uh, several times a day uh, when I'm behind the wheel of the car. And the things yeah. that come out of my mouth shock even me. Uh, just a, some that, really, that, that, really, yeah. Good place and time for that, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you have to let it out, that's the best place to do it. And uh, believe me, um, I did a lot of driving for years. And, uh, in no the, road rage there, right, gentlemen? <laughs> no, no point. In, no, I'm not trying to hurt them. Maybe I would. It, it would hurt their feelings if, if they heard me say, you know, it, to refer. I don't refer to people's parentage or their ethnicity or anything like that. But I wonder just how long it takes for that single synapse in their brain to uh, to fire when the light turns green, and, and just how long the reflex takes before that message reaches their foot. Um, or or perhaps uh, I wonder when they're weaving along the road until I see they have a cell phone. Just uh, how often they've been driving since they've had the stroke. Um, you know, <laughs> things like that. Well, I have a, a penchant against, uh, and please excuse me if anyone is of the disabled uh, class, but uh, sometimes I wonder, seeing you know, the disabled placard uh, hanging from the rear view mirror or on the license plate, I'm, I'm often uh, curious as to whether or not that's a mental disability that they're displaying. Where, where if they're a very poor driver and uh, exhibit uh, little etiquette in terms of uh, signaling or uh, leaving proper distances or uh, merging safely, you wonder if it's not a, a moral handicap. Oh, well, I'd, I'd of be honest. Yeah, be or you honest. see them parking at the handicap zone and putting their little tag in there, and then sprinting into the store. And oh. you know, oh, grabbing a large not. box and carrying it out with one hand as they uh, as they dance a jig, and you just wonder it, what sort of disability that might be. I see that on a daily basis. I mean, now. I have no problem with a handicapped zone. It's just the people who uh, abuse the the privilege. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. what were you saying? Well, hey, no, uh, I, I I see that on ahead, a daily but... basis where I'm at. Um, I'm. Uh, a very small business owner. I have a uh, hot dog cart, which I set up in front of the local Sears store. And there are two uh, handicapped parking spots on either side of my location. And 
on a daily basis. I will see exactly what you have just described, Dan. These individuals with the the handicap placard that hangs from the rearview mirror, and uh, get out as uh, as spry as a twenty year old to go into the pharmacy or to the bank, and um, you have to ask, is that really necessary? I mean, and then well, I think it's then, necessary. Do you know why, Bill? Why? Do you know why there's two handicapped uh, parking stalls on both sides of your hot dog stand? Why is that? It's because what you're feeding people. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know what? I might take offense to that if you didn't show up every other day asking me to front you a hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bill, I got to tease you. This guy, Bill, he's really cool because... He really connects people, and, uh, you know, Jefferson Dogs, I mean, he might as well make a political statement, and then all sorts of people open up to him about their political woes and yada, yada. And, well, you know, yeah, priests, uh, barbers, I, I, hot I dog there, vendors. Yeah, I think I come more for the conversation than I do the hot dogs, Bill. <laughs> you remember that commercial? This this is uh, going back in the day, but uh, I think we're all of a certain age at least. Uh, there was a commercial that was the very beginning, I think, of popular anti-statism. And it really was. It was not John Birch. It was not, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, speech by Eisenhower about the military-industrial complex. It was none of that. It was It was a hot dog commercial back in the 70s for Hebrew National Franks. Where, you know, there's Uncle Sam with a hot dog, and he's smiling, and he, you know, and it says that the government will allow X, Y, and Z in this hot dog, but we don't, and allow ABC in this hot dog, but we don't, and you know, the government allows it, but we op- we we hold ourselves to a higher standard, and Uncle Sam looks up, and and I think that was like the very beginning of, hey, wait a minute, there is something more important than these petty regulations. And it was hot dogs, and they are good hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, Speaking of hot dogs, I just wanted to ask, right? ask you, Bill. I mean, you know how 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 closely you follow politics, especially since we are coming up with and everyone else uh, you, you know, on the show may have heard of this information that, that came out, Bill. Um, but I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Eric Holder and uh, Congressman Weiner, correct? <laughs> oh, no, no, you're not going to go there yeah. again. Okay, okay. No, we're not going to we're not going to talk about that. It's the 2016 dark. elections. Just no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, Dan. <laughs> well, you could. We could. But, uh, but don't leave Bill hanging. You got to tell him the joke. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Did really, you just say really, leave really him hanging? Well, they, <laughs> that's what he said. Uh, oh, but anyway, boy. before we get to Bard's logic after dark, as I know, as it was. Uh, you know, was it Eric Weiner? I guess I don't know if their both name Eric or whatever. Um, but there was, uh, you know, Eric Weiner is going to be running for president, and Holder was going to be his running mate, and it was going to be the Weiner Holder ticket. <laughs> we've all we've all been there. Yeah. 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 It destroyed my my delivery, but. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I got to ask you a question here. But it's Kelly. Go ahead, yeah. All right. So here's. Hey, was it any worse than my my virgin joke uh, last uh, 
<laughs> oh, that week. was interesting. All right. All right. That was, that was kind of amusing. All right. So um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to describe contractor language. It's simple. They use a lot. They use a plethora of ex, uh, explicitive superlatives. And I'm, I'm waiting for people to laugh at that. F and A. <laughs> I didn't curse. See, I, I, I actually came up with a joke that is in such bad taste that I dare not say it, but I'll do it anyway because it's a joke, folks. Um, you know, uh, Joe Biden, well, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know why he keeps having these tragedies in his life. I mean, there have been some tragedies, and it always involves losing a family member while he gets more powerful. And I am not suggesting any sort of, you know, uh, Faustian bargain or anything like that. But Bo Biden, um, part of his little dynasty to be, passed away just a couple of days ago of a brain tumor. Right, I remember that. And, yeah, son. And my and and everybody uh, on my our side that you know was putting on, hey, we don't like Joe Biden, but uh, you know what? But prayers for his family and and. That's a shame, and uh, our th- our thoughts are with them, and all that. And uh, you know that that was very nice. It was it was appropriate. It was really really humane. And, and my first thought was, he, Bo Biden died of a brain tumor. The implant didn't take. <laughs> what, is it too soon? Yeah, because he couldn't have got that from his father. I yeah, got it. Yeah, got it. Too soon. Too soon. It's, it's too soon. <laughs> You know listen, what? You know listen, what? Uh, this you, is one you know thing what, people don't you know realize. I, Go ahead. You know why Chelsea Clinton is so ugly? Um, no. Why because is? Bill, because Bill inhaled. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh. Oh. Oh wow, that's terrible. <laughs> well, you yeah, one. You got. Uh, I honestly got, don't get you that. You got. Uh, you got George Bush. You have Obama, and you have Bill Clinton, right? And they're in a galleon boat filled with oh, the, I was you know, with women. They're on a voyage. They're on a voyage. They're on a voyage on a galleon, you know, with just them and women. When the boat starts to sink, and George Bush says, save the women, save the Williams, save the Williams. And Obama goes, ah, screw them. And Clinton stops and says, hey. Do you think we have time? It's <laughs> 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 oh, definitely oh. after dark. You know, after the Monica Lewinsky thing, uh, Bill Clinton, you know, and all this sex scandals and Jennifer Flower and blah, 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 blah. All right. Do you know Congress actually censored Bill Clinton? They required that as he hires, as an intern, Elena Bobber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, of odd odd combinations and odd couples. Uh, Yoko Ono has come forward. Now, I'm not making this up. She has come forward and made a comment uh, that that she and Hillary Clinton had an affair. So not only did they oh, wow. break up the Beatles. Oh my God! Who's there? Yeah, I know. Oh, I mean, we, like, we missed the punchline the or I heard break up the Beatles. Yeah, have you ever heard hey, um, uh, Yoko Ono uh, uh, sing? I hate to break up all this funny stuff, but I have one more thing I want to say before I jump off because i got to teach in the morning. 
Okay. Um, did you guys see? Peace. Did you guys, out I, again. Everybody's having a everybody's having a good time, and then the old Killjoy Cindy jumps in there with some. I thought you were going to tell us a joke, Cindy. <laughs> no, well, this is a joke, but it's it's a good joke. Um, you know, you've heard of the Senate Conservatives Fund. Um, yes. They their email today says that there's a poll out that says that John McCain. Um, has only a 41% approval rate of Republican voters in his state. Um, 50% disapprove of what he's doing. And only 37% of um, primary voters say they generally support him for renomination. So what I'm I'm looking here at is that if there was a Matt Bevin to go up against John McCain right now in Arizona, I would say – this is the time for him to jump in there because these people are starving for a good senator. That's true. That's no joke. So if you I've... know anybody, <laughs> give them an email. Run, run. You know what? Wow. <laughs> run, yeah, really. Forest, run, Forrest, run. That, that is yeah. not a joke at all. But speaking of polls, never mind. That was a bill. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I tell another can I tell a story about can I can I tell you can I tell you a story? Sure. You just did. Oh, you mean another one? Another one. <laughs> so yes. it was uh, 1990. I think it was 1993 or 94. I remember. I was living in Maryland, and we'd go down to the mall and watch fireworks. About a million people packed the mall. It's sunny, and it's so exhausted with the fireworks that they have to wait like 10 minutes for the smoke to clear. But before that, I had a buddy, his name was Mac. He was special ops. And he's like, you want to come to the White House lawn? I was like, what? Yeah, you can come to the White House lawn. Yeah, well, you got to have special security clearance, but they know me there. And when I say they're with, you know, these people are with me, they just let me run in. What? So we go down there. You know, the, sun, the sun's still up, of course. We go to the gate. And... He's like, yeah, these guys, the people with me, oh, okay, yeah, how you doing? I'm good. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, come on in. And they're like, what? I just got on a White House lawn. And I, I can't remember who else was with us, but it's like, what? What just happened? So we're sitting on the lawn. There's a bunch of other people, you know, blankets, little picnic thing. You're listening to the Marine Corps band up on the second floor and just waiting for the sun to go down for the, the fireworks, the 4th of July. So, um, of course, this is true, yes. Anyway. So um, and I almost got in a fight with a guy went over over a girl. That was kind of stupid, and that would not have turned out well. But considering his special forces, he'd disappear for sometimes six weeks and not tell anybody what he did. That's our story. Anyway, so we're there in the White House lawn, blah blah blah, just waiting for the sun to go down. Marine Corps band, things are cool. All of a sudden, Bill Clinton comes out, and I'm like, this is kind of cool. You know, the president's just kind of saying hi, how you doing, kind of stuff, going from crowd to crowd. Anybody had a pipe? I'm like, what? He's got a pipe. I guess he's president. He can do whatever he wants. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta see if he inhales or not. So he comes to our our little group there on the White House line, you know. He's, and I'm watching really closely to see if he inhales. And what I discovered was basic. Basically, he sucks. <laughs> oh, jeez, Kelly. But I did actually get on the White House lawn. I did. I did actually do that. 
<laughs> well, oh. that's 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 refreshing anyway. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Pat Kelly. And on that note, I'd like to say good night, everybody. And uh, Dan, <laughs> uh, I would like to uh, clarify. Uh, I even though I am cynical of what's going on. Um, you'll have to forgive me, but I lived in California. Um, practically yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Well, there's your problem. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and what, uh, what's the minimum wage going up to, Bill? Now in California? Yeah. Uh, the the state senate just passed a bill to raise minimum wage to eleven dollars eleven dollars an hour. <laughs> and uh, Los, Angeles, Los Angeles County is working on going to fifteen dollars an hour. So, well, this um, is good because then there won't be any businesses, and robots will serve you burgers. Uh, well, yeah, and the burgers are going to cost $20 a piece mm-hmm. because they're going to have to pay for the initial cost of those robots. No, no, because there won't be any people. Well, what I'm saying is that, you know, just like any new business, you've got to pay for the startup costs. Oh, it won't take long. Robots well, are extremely economical. Robots are our friends. But then you're going to have to have you're you're going to have not, to have people coming not. from Arizona and Nevada and other outside states to buy the food because there won't be anybody working in the state of California. Well, we won't until they mandate us to. Well, true. Yeah, I yeah. Think that that's funny you oh, say that. Oh, you had to bring that up. Well, that's okay because then they'll just well, no wait, how does that work? But but we can have a vibrant ser- service economy. We don't actually have to make anything. Well, yeah, it sounds good on. Yeah, and it's all for the children. Yeah, well, okay, give me a break on that. And, I've got uh, two kids. Like, I know what like. I'll tell you what this. There, there was. Well, there was a joke which was extremely uh, blue um, about the three promises that you should never believe, the three ba- biggest lies, and and it was um, that a check is in the mail. Uh, and uh, this won't hurt a bit. And uh, the last one, well, uh, Bill Clinton yes, broke I'm that one with uh, Monica in the blue dress. I won't say what it was, but but the state has come up with bigger lies all the time. I mean, they, it's just astounding. Yeah. I won't say what they wouldn't do in. Never mind. But they, oh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of stated lies. Be. Speaking of stated lies, few people got caught with their pants down. That would be Obama and Rubio. So Rubio is saying, you know, as Rand Paul is filibusting, uh, filibusting the uh, NDAA successfully, uh, Rubio says, goes on and says, well, you know, we're not spying on people. No, this is all conspiracy theory stuff. No, we're not spying on people. Meanwhile, uh, Sunday's address by Obubu, uh, he said, you know, um, we, we've submitted some revisions to the uh, NDAA uh, so that the government is not spying on people through Internet and phones. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. The president has said we are. Rubio says we're not. We are? We're not. Which, which one do I believe? It's like Neither. busted, pants down, liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, how are there, how many more uh, plethoras of explicitive superlatives do I have to say to explain that something right here? <laughs> but but it, you it's see, amazing. if they catch even one terrorist, it's worth it, right? 
and we can trust really? them. Sure, and and the Depart- Department of Homeland Security is just keeping us safe. And and the no. NSA is full of just good people who mean nothing but the best for us. We never, ever misuse or abuse our And President Obama deserved that um, Nobel Peace Prize before oh, yeah. he ever did anything in office and proved that uh, <laughs> you know, he's nothing like a peacemaker. <laughs> you got it just for being proud. President yeah. Obama is the kindest, the noblest, the bravest, <laughs> Benevolent dictator we've ever had. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you a story of local news here, guys. Um, you know, California has lots of bears. I almost hit one in my truck one night. Anyway, uh, uh, this is local news. Uh, this this neighbor had this. Uh, yeah, they kind of called it a hiking party, but um, he had a, a Polish friend and a. Czechoslovakian friend, and they're out in the woods, and uh, two bears, a male and a female bear, attack the the pole and the Czech, and this neighbor just runs away and somehow gets on a cell phone, calls fishing game, and says, we got some violent bears near my house here, this is really bad, we got to deal with this, so the fishing game come out, they find the bears immediately, and they shoot them both. So then they do a little field autopsy, and they, you know, these these bears ate ate the, his two friends, and it was really bad. And and uh, they found out that uh, uh, the Polish person was eaten by the female. And then they said, "Oh, what do you know? The checks in the mail." Oh, oh. oh. Well, folks, I was just uh, chatting with Cindy, and she's uh, was giving her. Uh, Good night uh, for the evening. So thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. We're looking forward to, of course, having you on uh, next week, uh, which will be, of course, um, going to be uh, next Wednesday uh, at the same time at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, we're looking forward to hear from uh, Cindy again. And uh, we'd like to wish her a good night and have a good week. Good night, Cindy. Good night, Cindy. And there she went. and so, it's, hey guys, it's just the guys now, at least on the on the line. Just kidding, Kelly but, Mordecai. Well, it's true, but Kelly just Mordecai <laughs> is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. Wow, where did that come from, Dan? <laughs> Manchurian <laughs> candidate. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, many too, right? <laughs> Which, you know, well, hey, gentlemen, I do don't see that, like uh, that. yeah, we, we are on the stuff on the... Nothing like that ever happen in real uh, life in America. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, we, uh, really yeah, yeah, I have to come up on the, the, the ending portion of the show, so we're going to have to go ahead and start closing some things out uh, before I got to do the same. And so, you know, perhaps we'll get uh, Bevan on at some point uh, in July or, or, or further out. We'll see. Uh Cindy suggested perhaps doing a uh, special edition, maybe a Friday night show or something of that nature. Uh, uh, We'll see about that as well. Uh, But first, since we only do have about uh, 10 minutes before I have to start uh, closing things out, let's go ahead and do it this way for any kind of final 
uh, thoughts uh, for this evening. Uh, and that is we'll go with you, Bill, and then Dan, and then Kelly, uh, each person, yeah, just about, you know, three minutes, if you would. And then I'll have to uh, close things out uh, for tonight. But uh, thank you, everyone. And definitely, uh, you know, Bill, if you haven't already followed the show, uh, do so. And uh, if you did get the link, uh, go ahead and share that. I know you don't have a lot, he said, on the Internet. Uh, but, you know, the archives are there uh, as well, and they can be downloaded even to uh, smartphones and uh, sent to emails and things of that nature. So let's go ahead and uh, leave it back to you, Bill, and then Dan. And then Kelly for some final uh, comments, and I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Bill. Well, thank you, Robert, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you allowing me to uh, uh, kibitz about uh, various uh, topics. And uh, Dan, uh, uh, again, I just want to say I I hope that I can clarify that I am not as much of a uh, doom and gloomer as uh, uh, no, I no. Um, but again, I, I do have a pretty good excuse. I've, I've been in one of the well, what they call the, the left coast uh, states, and uh, it is rather uh, disheartening to, to um, say the least. So, uh, but I do um, have hope, and, and uh, actually um, hope the best for the possibility of a 51st state, um, you know, uh, the state of Jefferson is, uh, is a viable, uh, uh, prospect, uh, both financially and, and, uh, spiritually as well. There's a lot of good folks in this area. And, um, I would like to see, um, those people and, uh, have the, you know, the freedoms that, uh, are, Ill, well, not very well afforded in uh, most of the state. So um, with that, I, I want to say thank you again, and uh, uh, have a good night, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, definitely. You're welcome uh, to come back, Bill, as always. Uh, and, yeah, just spread the, the word. Have uh, other folks call into the show and have them join our round table discussion as well. And uh, you have a good night, Bill. Thank you. Thank so, you. folks, we'll go ahead and uh, bring it over to uh, our panelist, Dan. Uh, and go ahead, Dan. We've got about uh, well, three minutes, and then we'll bring it over to Kelly. I, I never attack a person unless they're in power and have opened themselves up to a, a serious attack by seriously bad actions. Bill, I didn't mean that you are a bad person or that you're wrong. I was just trying to reach a lot of people out there who have become really cynical and sad and really disheartened because I don't have hope. I have plans. And it's not my plans that are going to win necessarily. It's our plans. There's in the Patriot movement a good 30 million people, of which 10 million are extremely active, of which 3 million are amazing because they have to do it because there is no choice for a person of conscience, they can't sit back and let the things unravel the way they are and let them come for one group and then the next group and the next group and then they come for you. So um, what I'm trying to get everybody to do is to start formulating plans of their own. 
Now, it may be that, uh, you know, you're a forward thinker and you think out of the box and you've got some novel idea. You may never have been involved in this effort before, and yet you may come up with that very thing that, that solves a major problem for us without even knowing it. Do it. Think. On the other hand, you may be a person who is a little challenged with that. I don't mean stupid. Just It's tough. It's tough to think outside the box, in this case especially. It's tough to come up with new things or to, to rally the troops. Um, find somebody else's plan and glom onto it. Here in Pennsylvania, we've got active groups uh, who are fighting common war, for instance. Most of them have not come up with a new plan. We're fighting property tax. We came up with a new plan. One guy spent 10 years formulating a law. He wrote it. He vetted it. He, it went through so many revisions and changes. It's about as perfect as any law I've ever seen in the state of Pennsylvania, and we are working to get it passed. The tens of thousands of people who are actively working to get this law passed, have, they have seized a plan, and they're making it work. No matter what side you're on, if you don't have a plan and you don't follow through with that plan, and you're not ready to improvise where necessary, you can't get anywhere. Just having a feeling, just, just thinking that things are wrong and they need to get better is not enough. I mean, it's good if you have that and you go vote once. But more than that, you need to actually get active and involved. That's what the other side did. And you think about the, the people in the uh, 1890s when the progressive movement was started. They were literally a dozens. And you think about them under Woodrow Wilson where the bureaucracy became huge and the Constitution became even less adhered to. And there were still only thousands during FDR, when he started hiring these people and training them in schools, uh, we're still only talking about tens of thousands across the entire country who were true believers who worked the plan. And under the hippies, during that huge baby boom that I'm a part of, um, we're still only talking a few hundred thousand who were active and who were making a difference in their way. Um, today, they still don't have that many. Like I said, uh, a few percent. One percent of this country is three million people, so they don't have that many. Uh, we've got a lot more, and we've got to be active. So if you're active, you need to get more people active. And yes, when you talk to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your fellow churchgoers or civic organizations and you start talking to them about this stuff, their eyes will roll. They'll want to walk away. They'll you know, poo-poo politics. Oh, it's just damn talking about politics again. Uh, but you can wear them down. And for every five that know that you're a well-meaning soul, but they just can't stand it because you're so boring, uh, you'll get one, 20%. That's what you're shooting for. If you get 10%, you're still way ahead of it. If you've got one out of 100 of your friends to step up and actually be involved, we could increase our ranks by another 100,000 right there. And that's what's required. That's what Matt Bevan did. I mean, he, you look at him, he was not a man who sought political power and fame or anything like that for most of his life. He gave time in the service of his country. He spent time with his family. He educated himself, and he built a business and realized that this was all in jeopardy because of the way the country's going, and he decided to step up. 
and he wouldn't have been able to take that election if other people hadn't stepped up. He did not get there by himself any more than any one of us can when we're talking about influencing an entire country. It takes individuals hey, massing together. Go ahead. You know, with that, Danielle, i got to go I'm ahead done. and bring it over to you, Kelly, uh, and then I'll have to uh, go ahead and do the closing out for tonight. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, even though Matt didn't join us, I am still inspired. I'm still inspired because, you know, I sometimes wonder, is this all in vain? No. There are other people all over the country, you know, of course, even in my county, we're involved, we're doing this, and um, it's inspiring to me to keep going. And one of the things tonight that I really appreciate is, um, well, Dan's offer to help with this little um, one-minute campaign promo, make it better, make it more connecting. And, uh, of course, Robert, I'm going to need your help to get in touch with the campaign manager. And uh, it's, you know, if we think about what Barge Logic did, obviously there are people in Kentucky that, or at least I believe so, are listening. Who knows? Um, Barge Logic may have brought 10, 20, 50 votes. Um, other um, alternative news, uh, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, it may have made the the difference in this election. And so I, I want to compliment Robert for starting this um, for however many votes he added, 10, 15, whatever it is. But many other people like you, and boom, we, we have interviewed somebody who has a good chance of being uh, a governor who gives us hope to continue to fight for our liberties and continue on the road of success. Yeah, certainly. No, I'm not great with, you know, we've had a couple, uh, you know, so, well, we had a lot of uh, politicians on the show. Um, you know, a lot of them definitely, you know, if not most of them grassroots uh, candidates who, you know, were going up against the odds. And we've had a few that, that have made them. We've also had uh, someone who was never in the politics before. He's now a city council person who we've had on the show. And uh, now we got uh, Matt Bevan, who perhaps uh, he will go ahead and take to be governor. And, of course, we've had, as I said, just go back to our archives and all the other uh, candidates that we've had on the show. Yeah, we do. Uh, but moving on, we are looking forward to next week uh, to have Marissa Salazar on from the Young Americans for Liberty. And so we're looking forward to have her on the show. And so – We'll uh, go ahead and thank everyone for coming and, uh, of course, share the link here on uh, the show. And also, if you want to be part of the email list, uh, just contact me at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the contact page, and there I can get you on the email list. Or if you also like to follow the show uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, there is this little follow button here. Uh, by we see a lot of the uh, – Pictures that kind of flash by uh, there while you're on the website. Uh, so just click the follow, and you also could get emails uh, that way. At least you're from uh, Blog Talk Radio. Not much uh, of a description of the show, but at least tells you what the, the title and the time will be. So check that out. And so, of course, I will end tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So until next week, folks, take care. Uh, yes, definitely keep uh, keep it going, and we will see you then. Take care and good night.
Good night.